Hair Goals 313 Salon is where you need to go to get the love, care, and attention needed to grow and fashion your natural hair. Call 313-320-7890. Stay up on the real culture of Detroit by tuning into the Detroit is Different podcast network weekly. Music, art, business, comedy, and never before told stories from the people of Detroit. You're listening to the Piper Carter podcast on the Detroit is Different podcast network. Peace. This is Piper Carter and you are listening to the Piper Carter podcast. I just want to shout out my homeboy, um, Kari Frazier, who is in a community meeting right now. Normally you'd hear him join us. We're in the studio right now. We got Joe Black, the engineer, keeping it funky and black, keeping our sound sounding straight, keeps our microphone sounding warm and delicious. What's up, Joe Black? <laughs> While you find your mic, I'm going to say what's up to Brittany. What up, Brittany? Peace, Miss Piper. Our token millennial. Thank you. Thank you for bringing the future to us. Anytime. Yeah. Oh, Looking we appreciate all tanned you. Up. Say that again. Looking all tanned up. I look tanned. Yeah. I was in ATL. Hey. I got to tell you about ATL, but I'm going to bring the other two voices in the room right quick. Uh, my twin. Uh, he knew who he, he is because he was. He's like, <laughs> "That's my twin." We'll we, we'll learn more about him. Was uh, Bryce Detroit? What up, Bryce? Peace, peace. Yeah, Bryce. He's a amazing person. Uh, he's a music producer and a father, uh, community activist, organizer, Ashe. a whole bunch of stuff too. Uh, property owner. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then and then one of my other really. Like just a person that I really admire and love a lot. One of my brothers. Um, this brother right here, he will kill you in the freestyle, um, and <laughs> in, in in the battle rapping. But um, in in this capacity, what we asked him to come to today, he's talking about his um amazing artwork. It's my man Cliff Notes. What's up, Cliff? Thank you. What's up? What up, dog? Yeah, Cliff. Um, if you guys, so uh, we had this art gallery. It was called Five E, and um. He made so many of our amazing, one-of-a-kind Dilla graffiti paintings. Some of them were like eight feet by like 10 feet. Um, he made one of the pieces that uh, Jay Dilla's mother, Ma Dukes, keeps in her living room with like other world-renowned artists. Um, <coughs> shout out Ma Dukes. Shout out Ma Dukes. Right. And uh, yeah, Cliff here, he's got some amazing artwork. We're going to talk you. about that stuff in a minute. But I wanted to open, it feels like every time we have a podcast, why are black people and brown people always being murdered? It's not just when y'all have podcasts. It's not, right? <laughs> <laughs> it just, you know. It's just every time we get ready to have a podcast, like we always have to open with like who got murdered next. Um, but I think it is important to acknowledge, you know, um, these people, um, these stories, because um, all of this, you know, we're all connected. And a lot of times, you know, we just go, 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 go. But I think it's important to just acknowledge folks. You know what I mean? Um, so this happened yesterday. Um, thank goodness they arrested the guy. They found the guy rather quickly. They've arrested him. I don't want to say his name because he needs no upliftment. But I do want to name um, Nia Wilson. Um, she was 18 years old, and she was fatally stabbed on Sunday. Um, she's from the Bay Area, Oakland. She was riding the BART train. That's their public transportation. Um, she was with her sister, Latifa, who was 26. 
Her sister survived the attack. Um, so I'm sure that was pretty horrific. Um, so send her sister a whole lot of love. The father, I saw him um, just in despair, uh, upset about that. And um, it's been, it's like a top news story. So it was like all over the news. They did arrest the guy. The guy was Caucasian. Um, supposedly, they're saying that it was not a uh, hate crime. But um, I don't know. To me, murdering someone is full of hate. So I don't, I don't <laughs> understand that. What, what sparked that? Like, what made them stab them? They don't know. So it's still, I mean, maybe we'll know. Like, today's Tuesday. It just happened Sunday. So maybe by the time this podcast airs on Thursday, they'll have some explanation. Yeah. Um, he had yeah. a really soft arrest from what I saw. Uh, they were, the cops treat, treated him very tenderly. Hmm. Possibly, you know, uh, they, it, it was the most gentle arrest I've ever seen. It's that Wivledge. It's the Wivledge, right? Yeah. It's the Wivledge, yeah. But um, I wanted to give her, uh, I don't know, maybe if we can just even do 10 seconds of silence just for her. So thank you for that, guys. Um, it just feels that every time we have the podcast, it's like it's always something. But, um, yeah, I just want to send her family love, her sister. Man, that must be difficult to witness um, and then feel helpless about. Um, so just wanted to just send them send them a whole lot of love. And uh, <sighs> I don't. It's, it's difficult. Like, I don't even know what to say. You know, <coughs> did you guys have anything? That I didn't that I didn't name about that. You know, I think I saw something about this on the internet, and they uh, posted a picture of one of the young ladies that was yeah. stabbed. I think the one that died, mm-hmm. and it was you know they had so many pictures of her on her social media and all that, and the one that they chose to use on the news was the one of her holding a gun. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm. I found that interesting because when dudes shoot up the school. You know, they they find the most innocent picture of him possible. Yeah. And, you know, post that. Yeah. Yeah, the pictures I saw, um, she was doing the sexy selfies and stuff. And she was a a beautiful girl um, on the outside. You know, it seemed like she was beautiful on the inside. I saw they did a visual for her. um, And people were saying that she was just a really, you know, kind spirit. So... <sighs> so, so we sad. send them love, you know. Th- this comes to mind for me. Mm-hmm. Um. So, when you brought up the hate crime thing, it, yeah. also, it also sounds like there's feedback in my mic. Um, you can address that later. But yeah, you brought up the hate crime thing. That for me is an opportunity to to look at the emotion that is usually. Um, guiding these type of this type of violence in real life it it no longer does seem like hate to me either Mm. it seems like the the love of their what they perceive as a privileged place in society Mm. a, a dominant social order um a prioritized social order so the love of that 
inspires all types of deviant shit mm. in those people who for real um lack are socialized to 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 be absent of morals mm. and that's the thing too so the yeah them saying yo this is not a hate crime because it probably wasn't a hate crime that was probably some i love the fact that i can do what the fuck i want to anybody uh. crime and that is a different framing that kind of framing to me is one that our ancestors would support because it would enforce to us that yo we made some mistakes y'all this is not a place that was designed for us mm. even if it is our land and it's our ancestors and blah 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 we tried to assimilate into burning buildings we tried to shake hands with the murderers and we tried to be friends and take care of their babies and all that shit this is not for us we are here this world is ours though yeah you know i mean so what does that mean in terms of how we need to look at moving forward right so i'm gonna say moving forward um last week or shoot coming up off a couple of days ago so from thursday through sunday i went to atlanta and i was at um bryce knows these people very well <laughs> the grassroots global justice alliance assembly and I went as a part of the um, EMIAC family, East Michigan Environmental Action Council um, here in Detroit. And um, it was a really beautiful gathering, beautiful. Um, I had never been to Atlanta before, I know, but I had never been to Atlanta. I still haven't been to Atlanta because I was in a hotel for like four days. But um, <laughs> but, but I went out. I did, I did make it a point to go outside and walk for an hour. So, okay. See the Atlanta air. I did, mm -hmm. I did, I did that on one morning at 6 a.m. Um, what was really beautiful, let me see, I took a whole bunch of notes, um, and I sent them to folks, too. Ha-ha. So the gathering was really like an internal gathering. Um, it's really a network of various grassroots justice groups that work on various justices, um, you know, uh, land, water, um, you know, domestic workers, um, all types of environmental justice, food, uh, anti-racism, uh, media justice, just anything you could think of, climate, anything. Um, and they come from all over the world. There, I met people from, uh, from, from Mozambique. I met people from, uh, from where? Guatemala. I met people from uh, Philly, from, <laughs> you know, uh, all over the West Coast, um, you know, San Francisco, Obviously, New York City, Miami, um, it, deep in the South, Mississippi. Shouts out to Cooperation Jackson. Um, I mean, it was just uh, really powerful. The first day, we did a black caucus with all the black folks that showed up from all over the world. So we got to meet and we did, we organized what's called a, a Black Liberation Mystica, which is basically just us um, showing off our culture to open up the opening day. Um, that was beautiful. Got to connect with folks from um, Black Workers for Justice and some other spaces. Um, uh, shouts out to June uh, from the Caribbean. Yeah, so it was beautiful. We got to have food every day. We got to think about um, how we want to create this anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist, anti-colonial world. And then everyone that's working on all that stuff. So um, a lot of work 
is being done on the front lines around the world. And that was like one gathering. We had some strategy sessions. We learned a lot. Um, we did different ritual together. We made collective um, altar uh, for like courage and peace and renewal. And um, they actually uh, have a whole delegation um, dedicated to our sister Sawatu and the Free Sawatu campaign. So that was beautiful to see people um, coming together globally to say, hey, you know, we stand up for this black woman from Detroit that stood her ground and uh, has been incarcerated, but we also stand up for black women and, and black Muslim women and, and mothers uh, who are currently incarcerated. And uh, and another great thing is I got uh, a chance to connect with the World March of Women, so Dope. I'll be a World March of Women representative for uh, East Michigan Environmental Action Council. So Dope. Dope. that's Dope. really Dope. exciting. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah. So we did a lot of learning about land, you know, how to secure land, black land. Oh, I met these people from um, Richmond that have, oh, my goodness, I forget the number, something like 36 acres mm. of land, and they want black people to come down there and claim your land. Man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share that information with you. I'm going to get more information from them. But they were like, we got this land, and we want black people to come down here and um, get, get with us on this land. And I'm like, ooh, that sounds intriguing. Um yeah, so we talked about land, land ownership, um, what that looks like, resource generation, how to support one another. Um, we talked about black liberation. Um, that was like a central focus for everyone. We talked about uh, feminism, women's rights, um, women's liberation. And, you know, we, we centered ourselves uh, in, I would say in love, you know what I mean? Um, and peace and unity and just really like thinking about how we're gonna work together how how do we work together to have this better world so piper where you are in your life what touched your spirit the most everything it was like too much you know when you get all these people that mm -hmm. are doing all this mm -hmm. justice work and they're all dynamic mm -hmm. and they're all in one place yeah. and then you're there like oh snap like i'm here <laughs> it was like that type of feeling like I was just trying to soak it up. I was going to, like, some people, I didn't know their language, mm -hmm. but I would just, like, go sit, look at them, and then just be like, uh, you, freedom, and me too. And they'll just nod their head like, yeah. I'd be like, good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just, but, you know, it was just Sorry. like trying to have lunch with folks or trying to have dinner with folks mm -hmm. that I didn't know. I pushed myself, you know, especially if I didn't speak their language. Like, oh, it was a whole brother there from Palestine. And we had the headsets and everything because they had the translators. So they had translators in Spanish, um, English, and um, Arabic. And they had different presenters. Mm -hmm. And they would tell you about what's going on. And he came and let us know about, um, you know, currently what's going on in the occupation and how to support. Um, I'm going to be sharing more of those those um, those as, you know, as we move along, because some of that stuff uh, is going to be being uh, is being strategized on as we speak. He was basically just letting us know stuff that we already know, you know, that uh, currently, you know, their their land has been taken from them. And uh, even though it's their land, you know what I mean? Um, and that they're currently occupied. So it's a lot of the, we just all have the same, very similar struggles against white supremacy, capitalism, imperialism. Um, 
which is why you know the the, the gathering even is taking place like how do we strategize on on all this stuff so um i'm just really honored to be now a part of this world network bryce is a part of it too he been down with the crew yeah, uh, shout out GGJ and CJA. Everybody was like, "Where's Bryce? Where's yeah. Bryce?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, Bryce, you've been there before. Oh yeah, they came oh, here. Cool. Oh yeah. Okay. So, boom. Since like 2011, um, me, Piper, um, we've been a part of East Michigan Environmental Action Council, mm-hmm. EMIAC, 44-year-old environmental justice organization. For the last four years now has had all black leadership. Short story though, EMIAC is one of the only organizations, <coughs> grassroots environmental justice organizations in the country that is black led. There's another one in Jackson, Mississippi, Cooperation Jackson. Piper was just talking about them a little bit. Okay. But we're all in this network. Does choke shouts out to Chokeway Lamumba, RIP. Super shouts out, Ashe. Ashe. Um, but we're in this organization, this national network called Climate Justice Alliance. Okay. And the Climate Justice Alliance is also like a partner organization in a larger network called the Grassroots Global Justice Network. So um, that it's an international grassroots network of African indigenous people who are all doing the real on the ground work of environmental justice, climate justice, racial justice in their locales. You know what I mean? And it's real intentional for us to be coming together because one, um, we're the ones who are disproportionately affected by environmental racism and environmental injustice. The people who come to advocate for us tend to be white. Mm-hmm. Um, when you talk about cultural sensitivity and cultural literacy and all of the things that can go wrong when you don't have yourself advocating for yourself so that's why an organization or a national network like ggj and cja are necessary it's because it's necessary for us to be able to come together show who's doing what where and then we can grow larger resource networks and be a larger advocating voice for our own needs coming from the people who actually know the experts like we're the experts in our own shit you know what i mean so yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so and Bryce was, you know, one of the G's. That's a part of the G. <laughs> <laughs> Those are like internal jokes we always do because okay. we do hip hop. And so we're always saying like, I'm a G, I'm a grower. Or, uh, you know, just trying to like, you know, just bring some life to some of this death work. Uh, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> resurrecting ourselves. Yeah. But that's dope, Piper. Yeah. So I'm really honored. Um, yeah. So I'm very happy about that. Super we're going to see dope. how that's going. So I'm glad y'all are here. I want to talk about um, so much stuff. Okay, I'm trying to think, like, do we go forward? I'm going to go back. Mm. Back, 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 way back. No, but uh, Back in the time. Yeah. <laughs> so Brittany here, um, she knows me as of 13 episodes ago. Sweet. But we've become close, and she's like my little sister uh, now, even though she's my producer and my mentor. My mentor. <laughs> like, I just be watching Piper, just like how she talks to people. How uh, just y'all know her? Yep, yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm an absorber mm. on so many levels, but I'll leave that. I'll leave all that emo stuff out. Well, this is the thing. 
Brittany has on a red, black, and green X cap <laughs> from the Spike Lee movie X. I'm not even sure she knows with that, with that that's Kente what it was from. With the Kente bib. With the Kente cloth bib. With the Kente cloth bib. That is so 1989. Is that 1989? That's the year I was born, so we can say that. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, very 1989. You just yes. took me back to 11th grade. <laughs> Thank you for that. Right. She got on this Pistons jersey with the Dolphins colors. It's the old school. It's the one year where they had that 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 jersey. It was like the you said the it's one Grand year. Why you said the one year? Yeah, that was Grand like, Hill. Was is it, is it like a teal? Uh, yes, too. Yes, but you ain't peeped the coordination with the I did, though. Exactly. The sleeves are like burgundy gold that. and black. <laughs> Is that burgundy gold and black? Yeah. On the sleeves. Yeah. Yeah. It's an official NBA jersey, too, because it's got the little oh, it's yeah. guy on there yeah, for the official you don't NBA uh, embroider. Brittany's only 20 something. Oh, me? Yeah, you don't no, I don't know. I wasn't in Detroit for that jersey. I was in New York. I moved here in 08. This color actually when during the time frame I hated this, mm-hmm. but then I like I love the classic like red, white, blue bad boy like that boom that boom 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 right. boom. Yep. But this in 2018 it just flies. So y'all have to know <laughs> that because um, it was so rare. Brittany is a hooper. Brittany's a hooper. Oh sweet. Okay. She's she's well. coming off a of medical leave because she hurt herself. <laughs> I pulled the I pulled the Kobe. Oh. Yeah, yeah. She was doing the crossover. It was real sweet. Who was it that? Sweet I don't even know what I'm talking about. I just heard that. I think I heard that on a music video or something. When the bad boys Why broke up, I gradually stopped watching basketball. Mm. Which one? Sweet. When? When the bad boys broke up. Me when too. Rick, when Rick Mahorn left, I was done. It, that was when I was done. Oh. Yeah. So who left first? I, school me. It might have been Rick Mahorn. Was it? And then it was John Sally. Was it? It wasn't Dennis. Dennis Rodman? No. It it feels like... I want to say Rick Mahorn was first. Because okay. I remember Rick I almost Mahorn. cried. Oh, <laughs> I'm like, Rick Mahorn? See, this is <laughs> what Piper talks about. This is the a little bit of the gap, because where my piston pain comes in is 05, after I thought they were solidified to go back-to-back, and mm, Robert oh, Ori... Yeah. Drop that three. Yeah, that, that happened. That was yeah. my that was my tears. Yeah. That's where it started. <laughs> no, see, this is my pain. I was in New York City mm-hmm. loving the Pistons. <laughs> then I moved to Detroit and they sucked. They got Allen Iverson and I was just Ooh, like, oh, this man. is. That's when you moved back. Yeah, and it was horrible. And this I got invited to a party here, and you know? he was there. Mm. And I walked up to him and I was like, you fucked up Detroit basketball. He was like, get this bitch away from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was so angry. Oh, Allen <laughs> Iverson was an asshole. <laughs> I was like, like, I moved to Detroit for yo, this. Um, my mama used to hate. work in the casino <laughs> and she said that like he would be at her table just being ignorant as possible. She was, she was a blackjack dealer. Oh, she Lord. said his mama was more ignorant than him. Oh, no. Y'all Lord. better make sure that y'all got to look, uh, what she say, y'all paying attention to my $2,000 fur that I got in room such and such, blah, blah, oh, blah. Oh, and then she oh, told wow. you. Okay. Room number. <laughs> I'm like, what the Why? Hell? So it can Damn. go missing? Did you tell the hotel? I don't know why it's missing. Hilarious. But, um, yeah, no. So when I moved to Detroit, just... I really had dreams like when I moved. I was like, yeah, when I moved back to Detroit, well, I'm going to be at all the games. As soon as I came here, I was like, this, I can't. I know. It yeah. was just painful. But my really good friend 
in Oakland. Shouts out to my homegirl, Adrienne Waheed from hey. Howard University. Hmm. I used to go over her crib in Brooklyn that she owned. <laughs> hey, shouts out to black that? ownership. In Brooklyn. Oh, yeah. That's, that's major. <laughs> and she also bought property here. She also owns property here. Boss. And uh, yeah, boss moves. She right. actually. <laughs> Tell her we need the blueprint. Listen, you know what she right. did when Trump won? She went on Facebook and she put a post of herself at the airport. She was like, nice knowing some of y'all. And then she had she put up a picture of herself with her ticket to South Africa. Hey. <laughs> I'm like, hey. Not Canada, though. No, nah, South Africa. Yo, a friend of mine literally just texted me today. Um, my last time seeing him, we were in Berlin like a month ago. He texted me today like, yo, here are some pictures from this show that's going up um, <laughs> in NY. P.S. I'm officially not coming back to America. Oh, I say, my God. Yeah. Wow. Cats a lot of my friends moved. Shit, yeah. When he won? You talking about when he won or recently? Now that, that text happened at 4 o'clock. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's today. Yeah. No, mo- most of my <laughs> friends, they, like, I had maybe five, seven friends. Uh, they hit, they were on Facebook, like, yeah, I'm out. They all moved. They left the country when he won. Mm. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Mm. My mom is here, like. I'm not ready to leave this, off the spaceship. But, I mean, you know. I'm tied into the Y'all matrix. are here. I wouldn't have done none of this work if I you know, wouldn't be invested in any of this work. Yeah, I mean, mm. like, what? And I've been like, okay, okay, I'm out. Shit, the time to leave would have been when Obama got in office. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Niggas ain't ready for that truth. Uh-oh. <laughs> we, we, uh-oh. I would like to talk about that a little. You just said something that, that is tr- <laughs> truth. But that should be that should be um, unwrapped so that it can feel like truth for those who don't know the truth. Mm. Uh-oh. And Boom. we had a conversation downstairs there. Excuse me. Um, we started talking about voting and why to vote. And we had an elder in the room who is beautiful. Mama Lila. Beautiful she is dope. Like, I learned a lot just in the five Man. minutes. Mama Lila Kabil from Rosa Parks. Yes, Go ahead, yes. Bryce. You want to get a history? Nope. Okay, well, we gotta bring Mama Lila on we the do. show. We do. It's too much history. But it's shout too out much Mama history. Lila. Shout out to Mama Lila. Shout out Mama Lila. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So let's talk about. I mean, it, Piper, I ain't still in the vibe or nothing. But you are the vibe. Mm. Uh, <laughs> 2018, where I believe as uh, of African descent, we are timeless. I don't believe in time constructs, but I play a part of it. But we kind of feel like we're still in 1950 to some people, right? So let's talk about all three of your perspectives because I'm, like I said downstairs, I've voted three times. Mm. So let's talk about Obama's administration and voting and all these different layers of words that just don't seem to kind of move us forward. So one thing, a big thing for me is this. Um so Kari has this, huh? All right, Kari had this metaphor that he used of playing in somebody else's backyard. Now it's interesting because I also have the same metaphor as it applies to the music industry, um, and the importance of being self-determined and creating new music economies, just like our ancestors did. Shout out Motown, shout out Golden World, shout out Detroit recording industry. Woof. Folks, shout out all the work our ancestors did. So we got to say that out first because it's a lot of cats who hold on to this post 
antebellum argument that you must vote because your ancestors died, a lot of them died and fought so that you can vote. A lot of ancestors died and fought so that they could also get into white spaces that have harmed us. So just because someone spent a lot of energy doing something that may not have been productive is one thing. But um, yeah, without being too philosophical and just keeping the shit on the ground, bottom line is people who demonstrate throughout their history of interacting with us, yo, we're going to call you less than human. We're going to situate you in our society in a way that allows us to seemingly dominate you. And the way that we're going to do that is through violence and then our policies, our legislative policies through what we will create to be our own government structure. So a people intentionally create a government and economic structure which prioritizes them not only as human beings, um, but prioritizes them on a social order and intentionally places us pretty much in the animal category um, and then on a human level primarily um, places us as a criminal population, then one has to ask ourselves really, what is the work that we're doing? Do we think that we're trying to um, make a place in America better? Do we think that we're trying to make a political system better that just that started off equal, that started off just, that started off honoring all of us as these on the same level of humanity? Like, just because our ancestors, a lot of our ancestors thought that shit. And that's why they were fighting so tough. Is because they thought that it was really just a matter of, hey, man, all we have to do is intellectually appeal to this other human being because we're we were practicing looking at niggas like we the same. You know what I'm saying? Like when I say niggas, y'all, I'm talking about white niggas. Niggas is whatever. It's universal for me right now. But we was practicing looking at them like they were the same on a emotional, spiritual. All they needed to do was just be compelled differently. Um, but that that way of thinking, that consciousness, that civilization has demonstrated like, no, in fact, we are happy being this, we're practicing being this, and we're definitely practicing calling you all this other, this subhuman, you know what I mean, thing. So in real life, yo, 21st century, we got more information than we've ever had, mm. ever, ever, ever. Our ancestors did not have all the info that we had. So they didn't know, they didn't have as much information on what halfway works, what whole ass doesn't work, and what whole ass does work. They didn't have all the information like we do. So we have a, uh, to me it's our responsibility because of the time that we're in to really look at all of the information and then start asking ourselves different questions. The same old questions is what, how much more energy do we need to put in to this old way of doing things to affect some change or what way can we get more people involved in this old way? That's old ways of doing asking questions. To me, it's time for new questions like, yo, will that shit ever work? Are we, are we inappropriately 
labeling the people who we think are on the other side is this whole shit designed for any humanity at all or is it really designed to be 100 percent foot on our next shit and if that is the case what does that mean for how we move forward how would you relate that to the obama situation the shit it's just like how about this if america is white domination llc white domination incorporated then them niggas put a nigga as the president of white domination llc it's still the company it's still the same business so it's still gonna have the same stockholders it's still gonna have the same board of directors it's still gonna have the same mission period so it was just a nigga you know what i'm saying like they just put a black face to continue the white domination white supremacist agenda mm. of this entire you united states of america as a company to me you know what i mean i guess what i'm asking for those that don't know um because you had said earlier because as i said she said uh somebody was leaving the country because of trump and you yeah. said should have <laughs> left when obama, when obama got obama. <laughs> yeah. like why why would you say that because for me um now this is where my 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 professional background and some of my personal identity comes in. So, as an entertainer, uh, an entertainment professional, my skill set is identity and lifestyle branding. Mm. So, it was during the first iteration of my career where really realized like, yo, I'm in the behavior science business. All of my business is based on creating content using music to make people think differently about themselves and make people do different things than they were doing before. In particular, it starts with buy something new or click on a link that you never clicked on before or make some type of consumer thought that you never consider yourself to be this kind of consumer. Oh, I can buy that kind of thing. Yeah, you, if you never thought that shit before, but you're thinking it after you hear a certain record, then that, that record has modified your behavior. So that's behavior science shit. So to that point, um, in that being in that corporate entertainment space, then every you able to see, well at least for a cat like me, was able to see how CNN, MSNBC, Universal, Universal Music Video Distribution, Sony Music Video Distribution, um, all of these companies broadcast all the same shit and it's all considered mass media communications it's all considered uh a form of entertainment programming so that's okay said all that shit to say something oh because i'm highly aware i'm highly aware of how mass media is used to produce certain thoughts for people that people can latch on to <laughs> which will um, direct thinking energy from more deeply analyzing the implications of something. So let me use some different words and say the shit. I, t I can show you, I can, I can tell you, um, yo, Cliff, we got six new, uh, we got six new schools that are going to open up in your hood. We're going to have these kind of parks that's going to open up we're going to have this kind of thing so like on this all these amenities on a surface level 
that can feel great. It can feel like progressive and um, positive shit. Yet, because this world is the way it is, um, by that I mean in politics and government and finance and private and corporations, how all of these things are are tied in to what we end up seeing in our neighborhoods, what businesses we end up seeing in our communities, what legislation ends up happening on a political level, um, then a cat like me would be like, well, what's what's the underlying agenda to that though? Like who is the person who actually made that happen? Where's the money coming from? Like there's more questions that could be asked. And in a time like now that should be asked, for, let me give you a more concrete scenario and then it's gonna tie back into this Obama shit. Um, in 2007, there were some foundations. One foundation was a Skillman Foundation in Detroit started giving money um, for community organizations that wanted to do art work with young people. Like, hey, if you wanna work with young people and beautify your neighborhood, you can apply for this grant. Cool. People started applying for the grants. People started getting money to do what they thought was work with young people to beautify your neighborhood. What we did not know back then though is that there was already this phenomenon nationally um, in terms of real estate development and gentrification where in other places there was this art movement that was all of a sudden coming out and then within five to ten years after these new art movements were happening neighborhoods were starting to transform as far as population like all of a sudden we start to see this trend where where new art is happening and new art is being funded in urban areas then between five to ten years later those areas get gentrified so that in that example for a cat like me then it's like yo on a surface money for your neighborhood to make your neighborhood beautiful yet underlying that surface are dollars and purse strings and policies that will actually work against us if we don't ask deeper questions. So with the Obama shit, that shit was so surface that now it was like the big trigger to me. It was just such a symbolic thing. Like we got a black person for the first time as the president of Slaveryville, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Incorporated. And the follow up Donald Trump. Donald fucking Trump. And, and and it was funny too, cause like, um, there was a bunch of movies, or it was at least two, and I think Morgan Freeman was in both of them motherfuckers. But um, like Deep Impact mm-hmm. and something else, where it was like the only scenarios that Hollywood has ever given us with a black man being president. The world ending. The world fucking ending. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's like, so that was an indicator that this was Fugazi. Um, <laughs> I ain't gonna lie though. Like <laughs> Obama, like you know, I, I got my own theories about government and conspiracies and all that. So when I first, you know, saw Obama was gonna win, I'm like, oh, they letting blacks in the Illuminati now. <laughs> you know, Hilarious. <laughs> but uh, Hilarious. but uh, you know, at the same time, I'm like, as a kid growing up, I was just always like, certain things are not for me as a black. Boy, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I can't be president. It's just not mm-hmm. it's not in the cards for me. 
You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when that happened, I ain't gonna lie, I was celebrating like, yo, me too. Me too. you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. because it just to me it, it put in a lot of young black boys' minds that they could be anything. I agree. Right. The, don't my own Bryce way. hates hope. I'm a fan of something else. I don't know if hope would be the word, but I'm a fan of a different type of thing. But to the to the black, okay, boom. On a surface symbolic level, um, definitely can see folks being inspired by that image. Um, yet, may, okay, this this is not necessarily about negative implications of that shit of the Obama administration mm-hmm. and it's more so this next comment is about um the way that we what is the way that we make sure for ourselves and for our culture that these events or these moments in our life that feel symbolic of a step forward like what what type of questions should we be asking ourselves to make sure that that thing is something that symbolizes p- p- um, progression and change and shit? Like even on the Black Panther tip, Black Panther and Obama are like almost the exact same to me right now. The movie? Yep. In terms of they both were super symbolic, yet the real life implications, the real life effect of those two things on the everyday goings and, you know what I'm saying, goings-ons of the average black person is super questionable. Niggas are more joyous about the symbols than, we're spending more time celebrating the symbols than folks are actually figuring out, what am I gonna do with this inspiration now? If I'm so right. inspired by the movie, if I'm so inspired by Obama, what am I going to do with this energy now? If I'm going to use all this energy to continue celebrating, then that's religious shit that's been happening for some time now. And that's something that society does look forward to us doing. Like, oh, we can get them niggas a symbol. They'll celebrate it. They'll clap and, you know what I'm saying, and catch the Holy Ghost with that shit. And then in fucking three news cycles, it's a wrap. Yo, I want to jump in here. Please. And just go backwards. <laughs> no, no, no. I do, I do. Because um, I got it. Because that relates. Like when we had 5E. Mm. Um, I want to tell like two quick things. One, um, Bryce and I had a youth program together that we created. Um, and so I don't even know how to tell this story because it's so <laughs> diverse. And I want to get to y'all's music. So I'm going to try to keep it as tight as I can mm-hmm. so we so we um we had this space and um we were fighting to keep it we were buying land you know purchasing the property so that we could have this space for the community and we had turned it into a community space that people could come and do whatever right so they could learn there we did a lot of community um weddings and baby showers and mm-hmm. funeral um I don't want to say funeral parties, but uh, wakes mm-hmm. and um, yeah, send offs. Um, we also did open mic there. We had um, different um, vegan chefs and things incubate their businesses. We um, we were about to start growing food. We weren't there yet. Um, we had performances. We had a computer lab. Um, we were working with youth, adults, 
artists. I mean, we just did so much. Mm-hmm. But um, just because white folks in Corktown just didn't want to see that much black joy <laughs> happening, uh, <laughs> we, uh, they, they, they paid for um, this task force, uh, this police, this private police task force, they paid for it to go to come terrorize us on a regular. And I remember we went to um, to complain because we were like, who are these people? Cause like, you know, we're, you know, we're minding our business, doing our thing and they keep raiding us and they would send, it was like 25 deep if it feels like it was like 25 Man, deep. I, it, was, I, it was crazy. It was yeah. crazy, right? I hated that. And like, yeah. we'd be in there like doing music and art, it'd be so beautiful. And then here come these like white cops in military gear with like yeah. what what do cops carry AK47 or AR15 M16 I M16 I was in there painting the portrait <laughs> of Jay Dilla and I just remember a bunch of people standing around dancing and music and all that and I just remember the music stopping <laughs> and I'm still painting but I turn around and there's a bunch of police there you know what in I'm military, saying military like yeah, riot I was gear like, what the hell? So they did this every so often. It was six times they did it, six different events. That was crazy over the course of you. But we found out later, later after digging, that basically it was a private police task force that was paid for by the thugs in Corktown. And that's legal. <laughs> I'm glad you said it that way. Um, when you live in an, when you live in a place that prioritizes, it, it's legal. You know what I mean? In America. It's legal in America for white people to shit on black people. That's boom, always that, legal. Boom. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was led, you know, led by all the Corktown business folks that just were like lying on us and saying that we were selling drugs and shit. And they kept coming. And I remember that. So the sergeant was black. And I remember every time he would come, um, I would be talking to him. And it's like you're standing there and it's like. They got these M16s and whatnot, and you're just like, hey there, officer, trying to be, you know what I'm saying, like a business, trying to be calm yeah. and not say some some crazy fly out your mouth, like, oh, Lord Jesus, leave me alone. <laughs> you know, like you're just trying to keep it together because it was, what, like maybe two, 300 people in there sometimes, and we would be just like enjoying stuff, and then they would just be asking us 50 million questions, and I just remember a couple times I told him, like, look, officer, um, I don't have any money to give you and he would be like what are you talking about and i was like this is a shakedown right and he'd just be like no you don't have this and that but it was while we were going through our um you know getting all our licenses and permits because we had um gone from uh taking the building from being condemned all the way to being up to code and um i just wanted to name you know phil cooley and o'connor realty had asked us to purchase you know this building and you know my first thing was like i don't know nothing about you know no building you remember that and i'm going with the wind when she asked her to to help her give birth to the baby she was like i don't know nothing about birth to no babies (laughs) but uh yeah i was like yeah i don't know anything about uh a building you know and he was like well i'll help you and i'll help you guys get up to code but you, you know you should invest in your community blah 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 and so we bought it and we let them, you know, make us the token Negroes on the cover of the uh, free press business section. And they said they were going to help us, you know, get this up to code. And then he disappeared. And then it was like I, we, you know, chased and chased and chased him. And he called us all types of names and just treated us like crap. And then created this 
you know, police task force to chase us and chase us out of our property that we spent our life savings on. I know I spent my personal life savings. Remember, because we we did all those fundraisers and we did all this work and blah, blah, blah. But you guys were both there. Yes. Like during this whole time. I'm hearing double. Is that me? Do you guys hear me double? Yeah, I do. Was hearing me double too a little bit, but you sound Just keep going. Okay, I'm better. Yeah, so I just wanted to bring that up because you guys were there as a part of our whole process and you guys supported us through that entire process because, I mean, that was like a really stressful time, like trying to make that happen. And people like you actually came, you volunteered, you, you know, you lent your time, you worked with youth. You know what I mean? Like we were really trying to make this thing happen. You volunteered your time for the building. You volunteered your time to like, you know, help us like just get community events done. And I mean, you guys were just really, I mean, there were others, but, the, but you guys were like a part of that. I'm going to call it like the internal team <laughs> to like make stuff work. And I'll always remember that time <laughs> where we got raided because they, they, they brought the cop cars like one up to the front, one up to the back, which is I found out later was illegal. And then they came in and Cliff was like painting because I think like Jade was singing and it was just like this really beautiful energy. And they just like walked through and they just walked up to Cliff and Cliff came up to me later like, yo, this dude going to ask me to paint him a painting. (laughs) You remember that? Yeah. You were like, what on earth? (laughs) Yeah, the police start. Oh, you did that? You don't. Hey, how much do you charge? You think you do one to me and my wife? (laughs) This is why they're raiding us. It was so traumatic, and I remember uh, we 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 tried like we went to city council. We tried to fight, you know. We you know we had done all this work, all this renovation. We had you know gotten all these permits. We had gotten all the licenses. Like we were just fighting and fighting, fighting. But anyway, that's another whole podcast. But um, you guys were just a really you know big part of like you know making you know that beautiful and space what it was Mm. you guys are part of the beauty of that space but um i also wanted to acknowledge that we had this no misogyny open mic and um that's the foundation uh and that changed the way i rap i ain't gonna lie oh exactly (laughs) for real that's the foundation of women in hip-hop that's the 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 the, what was that show 12 i think so that we had with kelly and rebecca Mm -hmm. these ladies were like Oh my God, Piper! Like, <laughs> made the guys say no bitches, no hoes, <laughs> no, and they were up. like, "Okay, Piper." <laughs> <laughs> Yo, like, that, like, give me that imagery, please, from a male's perspective of what that was like. Man, like me, like, like story it, set it up, like how she just gave the imagery of like you're mm-hmm. painting and someone singing. Give me that. Well, what imagery. it was, it was just like it was a situation where you just didn't want to do that. You know mm. what I'm saying? It wasn't like she was like, hey, don't don't say bitch and don't say. <laughs> it was just more, I mean, she would do that I if you just you. got up there and was ignorant enough to do it. But it was just the, the tone was set for you to have common sense enough to not do that. Mm. <laughs> so it's like, I would go up there and censor myself because it was like, oh, I can't say that in front of all these ladies. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, this song is about bitches. I can't do this song. <laughs> I can't do that song. Here's Foundation Night. <laughs> mm, that's so, powerful, though. So, like, for me, um, boom. So, like, imagine being in the space, and before the open mic starts, like, boom, the MCs come out. I mean, well, the hosts come out, and in their spiel, they're like, yo, welcome to the Foundation 
celebrating women in hip hop. Um, this is a night that's dedicated to no misogyny, no patriarchy in hip hop. Like that's the first mm. four bars. You know what I'm saying? Shouts okay. out to Mahogany and to, to, to Nick Knack. They yeah. were the host. I'm they guessing. They were the host. Okay. So it's like for me as a as a man to walk and be in that kind of space. It's like, huh? That's real. Um, what was even more real about it, though, was the actual enforcement of the culture. <laughs> uh, the e- accountability part? The accountability, well, the accountability part would grow mm-hmm. incrementally okay. more by, you know I mean, more and more over time. But the enforcement piece, um, there was this gentle enforcement that was happening at first. And that stuck out to me because it's like, yo, we got women who are leading their own open mic so that they can have a space to celebrate women and divine femininity. And even if some dude comes in here, just disregards all of that shit, it's still going to be this gentle all right, all right, all right, all right. I mean, give him a hand, yo. Give him a hand. We don't really, hey, do, we don't that do that bitch like shit. Hyper. We don't do that no shit. I'm like, yo, yo, that's. I don't know if you was there this one night, but Triple Black <laughs> and Dopehead performed. <laughs> and uh, of they're course, part of Danny Brown's crew, um, Bruiser Brigade. Yeah, okay. and of course, what they did was just all raunchy and vulgar. It was, it was. I knew Mahogany was gonna say something. So when she was done, she like, you know, you know, that was just like you said. You know, it was good, brothers, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, we don't want dicks in our mouths. and You know what I'm saying? You ain't got no bitches and all that. You know what I'm saying? So so then Triple Black is like, okay, well, here's something for the ladies. Was that was that at Old Miami? Yeah. 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 I was there that night. Yeah. yeah. Is that, I think that's the night they were talking about. Yeah. The ladies. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Episode 12. Yeah. And he, he started doing the most raunchiest. But it, I guess in his mind, it was about pleasing a woman. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. Oh, okay. Right. So <laughs> ego. I got you. He thought. So he, male he thought ego. He thought he had dumb, not dumbed it down, but he thought well, he had. Yeah. Went into the, na- the name of the song was. <laughs> Can I can I say it? it yeah, was, you can say it. it was big dick niggas eat pussy too. Okay, I'm done. So, <laughs> but, so yeah, I'm not gonna lie. This might have been one of the funniest <laughs> moments in my life. It was funny to witness. It was funny because it was like, dog, they are at foundation and just give zero fucks right now. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? yeah, yeah. So I know Piper is so, gonna get into like you guys, you guys. But what the imagery I'm getting is is that you guys are like. Had your own identity in the hip hop community, but Piper's space was like kind of like the calm. Yeah, and don't y'all call it the don't bring that shit here. Got you. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> but that was this the, is cool. The, your Do your was, thing. Sorry. Don't. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I yeah, but that's what that's what the energy was. Like, that's cool. We accept you, but don't bring that shit here. Okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. The another, foundation. Another like energy that. that was really present in the space though was self awareness. Like. Mm-hmm. That's the only space in Detroit where folks were conditioning themselves to monitor their own content. Okay. There's no other space that's like that asks you, yo, please check if you got any misogyny page, if you disrespect any women before you spit it. Ain't nobody asking you to check that shit first. You know what I mean? So like that was a major thing about the foundation. Um, and then just going back to the like 
a thing that stuck out to me going back to the um the culture uh the call out culture like it started off so motherly and so gently that's what inspired me to actually want to support the fucking holding down the rules um like for one instance was able to put in this uh no clap clause because it was just way too much because mahogany is so loving okay and piper is so loving and when you're talking about a, a, a space dedicated to an honoring divine femininity, what you're going to end up getting is a space that's a big-ass mother. It's a big-ass hug for all <laughs> kind of fucking bullshit. I'm going to hug you afterwards because I'm your mama. Right, so right, it's right. like, yeah, no, nah, let's put in this no-clap clause. So essentially, if motherfucker get up there and just get reckless, then it's like, we're not clapping afterwards. No more encouraging the bullshit. Wow. We're just going yeah, that's true. Yeah. The brothers held that down. They just turn their back and well, walk was, away and go outside. That was easy. I'm about to go outside. <laughs> I'm about to go outside. You know what I mean? yeah. So it, I can just, it was they just, just be standing there and, like, and nobody would be there. It was certain rappers that I knew <laughs> when when uh, when they were going to be called to the stage, that was smoke break time. <laughs> that's hilarious. Straight up. But this is but that's the beautiful energy that that I'm saying that you guys brought mm. to the space. You know what I'm saying? So when people would always get on me like, "Oh, this foundation thing is only for girls," I'd be like, "You know what? Ninety percent of the people that rap are men." Come on, yeah. I, I mean, and actually, in the I beginning, you know, me and B side, shout mm. out to B side, shout hey. out B side. What up, though? We used to uh, we we worked together, but every Tuesday was kind of like our Friday, mm. so mm. we would link up every Tuesday. <laughs> and record and work mm. on music or whatever. And then uh, one day, I think Mel Wonder was like, you know, we got this foundation thing going on. And by, at this time, me and B-Side were done recording, and we mm. still wanted to link up and go somewhere on Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. So, like, let's go to, let's check out the 5E Gallery. And we went, and it was this, you know, at first it was just, I guess this was after um, you had already started with Corona and Invincible and mm-hmm. the jury. And, and it was, at this point, it was more of a chill situation. Like, Mel mm-hmm. would be spinning beats and people just being there chilling. Yeah. And then, um, so one day, we, we would go there to write because he's like, hey, you got beats playing. Let's just vibe out, mm-hmm. write some, mm-hmm. just write. And then, uh, I think, I don't remember, it was a microphone there. I'm yeah. like, well, can we get on this mic? <laughs> yeah, yeah, So yeah. then we started getting on the mic. And doing these freestyle sessions, yeah. ciphers, and then mm. it elevated. More people start coming. Yeah. Nick Nack came. She became a host, Mahogany. Yeah. And then it officially became. Because you were a, there before Mahogany. Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. you're right. You were there oh, before gotcha. Mahogany. Before we formalized. Because we, you're right. Because at first, hmm. it was like a lounge. Yeah, it was just <laughs> straight chill. <laughs> like, I'm about to chill. Right, yeah. a little bit. Listen to some music. Cause Mel would spin. Gotcha. Actually, we had we had like three DJs. Bahetti would DJ. Hmm. I don't know. And if Nicole she was would there. DJ. She wasn't there all the time. Okay. But she would come, and then like Nicole would DJ. Nicole used to be with Frank Rains from uh, Funk Night, mm-hmm. and so they would be DJing and this DJ stuff, and then everybody would be doing. So the graffiti artists used to be there too, because mm-hmm. we would have books. Yeah. We used to have books on all the tables, like yeah. like um, books you could draw in, oh, those graffiti books. books. So they'd yeah. be sitting around, like, drawing in graffiti books. The B-Boys would be there, mm-hmm. and the B-Girls, and they and everybody would all be coming. All Detroit hip-hop. All hip- Detroit hip-hop. Hip-hop, hip-hop. Hip-hop, hip-hop, yeah, hip-hop, yeah, yeah, hip-hop yeah. culture. Hold on, let me say backpack hip-hop, because right, I don't right. want to, mm. you know. Mm. Mm. I guess culture. what you guys are saying hip-hop is culture, like, 
you you don't want people to get the imagery of the the street culture. Yeah, I wish I had a there's a name I want for Trap. it. I haven't come. It's not. I think well, it deserves it, something better than that. It's Trap funny because how about this? Just on that trap culture shit, we're just talking to a young homie two days ago, and he was like, he was asking me about trap music, and um, and he was talking about Detroit rappers and other. I'm like, yo, first off, to me, trap really is a a cultural phenomenon that's based on a particular region. That's the way cats in Atlanta decided to make up slang for their drug dealing culture. Mm -hmm. Not shouting out drug dealing culture, but our drug dealing culture, the slang that we have for it is D-boy shit. Like, right. mm. like so in real life, I it's cool for me to be like, yo, this is not trap unless you are an Atlanta person celebrating Atlanta <laughs> drug culture. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you, you know for that. <laughs> for real. D-boy, so D-boy music, I like, I mean, is that what it is? That's what it. That's what it used to come from. Okay. Like in Detroit, like a lot of the shit that we call like the street shit, it was cats who were involved in that world. Mm hmm. And and you know, I mean, in our place was a welcoming home for all. So mm -hmm. you know what I mean. We is it, it after it, the the open mic started, then we started having more MCs started to come, boom. and it started to be a home for MCs. But like Cliff is right, it initially was more like the culture parts of the other parts of the culture understood and and would come together and then when they started doing the like freestyling that's when it was like we started building up more and then more MCs were like because the cypher started getting bigger because then people mm -hmm. was like oh there's this place we could go do a cypher yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. The, the one thing we'll push back on that you said cliff was the, the backpack thing because maybe that was just my error but like me coming at the end of 2010 <clears throat> so meeting DJ Sakari. Sakari being connected to Los and Head and fucking the the hip hop shop and then having like a super MC mm -hmm. who's connected to Almighty Dreadnoughts and and that's guilty and like in all of these cats who is connected and because we all are from Detroit for real, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't give a fuck what neighborhood we lived in, we're all from here, so we're really all connected to the urban environment. So it's like that was the one space in Detroit, and mind you, have been performing in Detroit for a couple years already. So have been to the fucking hood spots, you know. What I'm saying have been to the Ebony Showcase after it was the Ebony Showcase, and now it's just fucking, you know, what I'm saying drug rap, blah 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 shit. <laughs> Nineteen year old cats. I was there when that. I was there at the Fifth Avenues when you see all these like what I'm gonna call off mar off market niggas, like the cats who just think it's cool and want to spend money to perform and shit. Mm -hmm. Like was there for all that. So with meet met big hurt like met cats from this the scene that people think that is Detroit hip hop like when you hear you might hear fucking back in the day cash rules everything around me see you know what I'm saying like that shit like that is considered like Detroit hip hop coming from the street the same way that like T Grizzly is considered yet the gallery though was the one place where was able to meet everybody in Detroit yeah, hip hop and yeah. really see how the, the whole sectors. shit connected. Like each one of these sectors connects in this one space. Yeah. It was like, okay, you had your, I'm going to just compare it to a high school, like the open mic scene to high school, the parallels. Mm, mm, mm. Like you had your neighborhood high schools, Cooley, Mumford, whatever. 
Then you had cast, <laughs> which comprised of everybody from mm. all over the city. Boom. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Boom. 5E Gallery was the cast tech of yeah. Open Mics. That was perfect. Yeah. That's yeah. perfect. That, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It That's was. Yeah. Oh my God. And shout out cast tech. Yeah, yeah, shout out yeah. cast tech. Me and Bryce both <laughs> went to cast yeah, tech. Man. You just my father <laughs> went to cast tech, <laughs> so I'll oh, he's give a good it dude. to you. Yeah, exactly. He's a good dude. No, I appreciate that. But I wanted to bring that in just to give... You know what I mean? Because uh, Thank you for our that. relationship, you know what I mean, um, extended through like the hip hop, the community work. We struggled a lot together. We had we went through a lot of trauma and stuff together, but we had a lot of wonderful celebratory moments together too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So just uh, mm-hmm. and and these guys right here, they're really ride or die. But I gotta tell mm-hmm. you something funny about Cliff Notes. Um, he's a hilarious. I'm gonna get into you guys' story now. So Cliff Notes is one of the best i mean detroit has okay first of all y'all have to understand mm-hmm. they say that eminem is like the best rapper but i think eminem said that with paul rosenberg and their marketing team that's the day yep. okay <laughs> but um so but it is said that detroit has like the best uh artists and mcs and blah 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 because we we, we had this open mic um shouts out to maurice malone from the hip-hop shop mm-hmm. which is a part of detroit um hip-hop legacy you know, if you know of a proof or even Dilla or anybody, right, um, came out of the hip hop shop. Classic. So yeah. very classic. So um, hopefully there's video of the, I've only seen the Eminem video, surprisingly. But what you mean? Of, 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 the, of the different, you know, yeah, of the hip hop shop. You know, Elza, dog, Memory Lane, yeah. Elza off Elmatic. Yeah. Has some dope footage from the hip hop shop. Really? Oh, mm-hmm. man. Watch that video. OK. Everybody. You guys got that? It's on the YouTube. Yeah. yeah. So, just a classic My place. My man said the YouTube. He's like somebody's granddaddy. Yeah. It's, on, it's on the YouTube. <laughs> the YouTube. It's all good. The YouTube. Yeah, but, I mean, just a classic space. Um, Shouts out to Proof, RIP. But, yeah, I so um, the gallery, we, we wanted to bring that tradition. We wanted to keep that tradition going. And so that was another thing that people really appreciated is that we um, honored our history. We honored um, the people that came before us, and that was a place where, you know, where we did that. So Cliff, um, you know, would just rip people apart on the open mic. Cliff can just rap. Mm-hmm. Cliff's one of those people, like, if you just push, like, if you just ask him, like, can you rap, please? First he'll tell you, <laughs> oh, man, I'm an artiste. I don't do that rap stuff too much anymore. I, <laughs> I'm, I've never said I, I'm an artiste. <laughs> no, no, I'm just playing. I'm just playing, Cliff. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying that because this one night, we had had, um, we had gone really super late. And shouts out to Leif Erickson. Mm. Uh, shouts out, you know, that's what I could know what I'm saying. I knew you were about to tell the story. So shouts out to Leif Erickson. Leif Erickson is um, another, another living cast, legend. Another Cast Tech alumni as hey. well. Uh-oh, okay. Y'all there see how go. he put that voice on. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, you know, he's an amazing MC. He's another father. He's another supporter mm-hmm. of the Youth Day, the gallery. Like, just... He, you know, does his own events. He keeps the legacy of by 10, you know, alive. Um, just incredible spirit. But one day he was at the gallery. <laughs> and um, I'm not going to say that he was drunk. I'm just going to say that it was visible that he had had some beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, maybe. And so it was funny because it was so late. I think it was like four or five in the morning. It was late. It was late. And we, mm-hmm. we had just been we had closed everything down and everybody was just sitting around kicking it and um cliff was like all right y'all 
I'm about to go home. I'm beat. I see y'all later. And af- this is after. So y'all have to understand what we would, we would have the open mic. We would have, um, after the open mic, people would get all high off of rapping mm-hmm. that they'd be like, oh my God, I got to go outside and rap in this cypher. <laughs> and then they <laughs> they'd go outside and rap in the cypher for hours. And then it would just like, people would leave, but then there'd be like a whole bunch of people that would just stay. Chilling. And just rap and rap and rap and rap. <laughs> and then it would just be like, we'd just be chilling there. We'd be having mm-hmm. philosophical, political conversations, like trying to figure out how to keep the building, trying to figure out what to do, work with the youth, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, this one day, Cliff, uh, he's leaving. It's like 4 or 5 in the morning. He's like, all right, y'all, I'm beat. I got to go. I got to I gotta get stuff done. I got to work. I'm tired. I've been rapping all night. I'll see y'all later. And here comes Leif Erickson. He, like, just walked in from someplace else. He was like, come here, nigga. You going to rap. <laughs> you gonna, I'm going to battle you. He had, a, he, had on, he had a beer in his hand, and he had on a blue shirt, and he had on some big white sneakers. And he was like, you going to rap. You can't leave. I can't battle you. You going to battle. And Cliff was like, I don't want to battle, man. Like, I'm tired. I'm, I, I got to go to work in the morning. I want to go home. He's like, you ain't leaving till you battle. So they went back and forth, back and forth. And Cliff was like, come on, man. And then I think he said something to you like, you better rap, bitch. And you was like, all right. All right. <laughs> and, he was like, and, and what did you say? You said, you look like Raggedy Smurf. No, I was like, if you was a cartoon <laughs> character, yeah. you'd be Raggedy Smurf. Walk around with a drink and a Raggedy shirt. Right. And, and he looked like Raggedy Smurf because he had on a blue shirt and a beer in his hand and some white sneakers on. And he and then he was like, oh, man. He looked at himself. He said, oh, man. Oh, and the shirt was kind of dirty, too. He was like, he looked at himself. Hey, shout out to Leaf, man. Shout out to Leaf. He looked at himself. He said, oh, man. You going to do me like that, man? He was like, I, he was like can I go home now? He was like, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> off top though. But that was just yeah. like the type of family, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Just like dope. the family vibe we had around vibe. there. <laughs> real good vibe at the, at the five E gallery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So okay. So we closed that chapter. So now, Cliff, um, tell us about your artwork and you know what you what you're up to now. Well, yeah. you also um, dropped this awesome cartoon. Um, well, it's a it's a anim- animation, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Soul of a nerd. If you get a chance, go on YouTube. The YouTube. <laughs> 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 Type in Soul of a Nerd, Mr. Cliff Note. Uh, yeah, I've just been getting into animation. Like, last year is when I really started really messing around with it. But I'm decent enough now to where I was able to execute a full animated video put it out. Wow. And you're so talented. Like, you guys got to see this. Thank you. Um, I saw it, and I was like, this is really dope. And I um, I shared it. And I was thinking, like, yeah, I'm sh- I'm sharing this because uh, it's super sweet. And then I remember I hit up Cliff Notes, and I was like, I shared your video, not because you're my friend, but because it's actually amazing. Mm. And he was like, thanks. I was like, but I'm sharing it because you're my friend, too. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's really sweet. Um, I like it because it's really simple. Because mm-hmm. we're now in the age of, like, all this, like, hyper-tech, and you know, computerized yeah. stuff. I took a real traditional approach to it. Um, tra- I mean, that's the style of cartoons I always loved. Like, as a kid, a lot of my dreams, and still sometimes today, like, a lot of my dreams are cartoons. Mm. And and as a kid, I remember they looked like Hanna-Barbera cartoons. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm, that's for real. So hmm. um, when when they when Toy Story came out, I was amazed and sad at the same time. Because hmm. it was like, man, this is dope. I mean, it's a cartoon, but it looked real. But then it's like, that's not drawing, though. You know what I mean? It's mm. not moving drawings no more. It's a computer mm. doing, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I always wanted to get into traditional animation. And plus, really, my main reason for wanting to do animation, because I do a lot as yeah. far as artwork. I, I rap, uh, stand-up comedy, mm-hmm. acting. Uh, so I wanted to, you know, drawing. I wanted to find a way to incorporate all of that into one. Right. And I was like, if I'm able to learn animation, I'm able to, you know, use the comedy, mm-hmm. the music, mm-hmm. acting, all of that, story writing. So that's why I really, really spent a lot of time trying to get good with animation. I never had a class or nothing like that. And then last year, I, I went heavy into doing stand-up comedy. Yeah, you've been doing that. You've been doing yeah. the comedy events. Yeah, so I've been, you know, been getting booked for shows and as far as that. And then I realized, like, you know, I'm I'm gaining momentum, but I've gained so much momentum in this other stuff that I'm doing. Right. I gotta stop trying to get good at so many things hmm. and try to get rich at one. <laughs> <laughs> you know, That's real. so That's real. now now I was like, okay, let me let me get back to my art thing and hmm. make sure I don't abandon everything else in the process so that you know animation is really my thing right now yeah and i mean it's really dope i mean i, I like the Thank fact you. that you do the comedy too because I, I i see that that's pretty kind of bubbling as well the comedy um Thank you. and then you do airbrush and then you have your studio and then you have your daughter that's what both of y'all have daughters awesome yeah. daughters yeah and um bryce's daughters grew up in the gallery yours kind of did until we didn't have the space anymore, mm-hmm. but now she's coming to Dilly Youth Day, so that's what's up. Y'all got this may be TMI, families. but uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna tell you. Well, yeah, I'll tell you. No, I'm not gonna. Okay, well, I'll tell you. <laughs> My daughter was actually conceived at a Dilla Day. Uh, really? Man. Hey, wow. Shout out not, to not inside. I know what you mean. We were, we were more classier mean. than that. Outside. We're outside of the venue. We had class. So I haven't absorbed. <laughs> in the back seat. I haven't absorbed your project. <laughs> but I just sent this off to like 20 people, telling them that I think that they will love this. Mm-hmm. It's so dope, and I'm gonna absorb it later tonight. But thank this you. is what we need to see. Thank you. So. Thank you. Please share it, everybody. Yeah, we're gonna see share it, that. Share it. Thank you. And it's dope too, cause like um, oh, she didn't know that. Uh, the little one. We were here. She is now. We're She's just like, talking about. Hi, you. Harmony. You want to get on the mic? Uh, no. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we're doing a radio show, so you have to be kind of quiet. Okay. That's Did you cool. need something? Okay. You got bored. You want to kick bring it up, up here with us? You want to bring the stuff up to draw with? No. Okay. All right. Well, you got to be cool. You want to be share cussing a, a little me? bit. You want to share a mic with me? No, I don't All right. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That, we just need another right chair. We was just talking about you. We're just talking Literally. about you. But you got to say hi to you got to say hi to all the Piper's listeners though. Yeah. All right. Is it is it cool? Okay. That's what's up. All right, there you go. Okay, just talk into the mic. You can say peace or whatever you want to say. 
Hello. <laughs> Tell everybody who you are. Uh, my name is Harmony. And how old are you? I'm eight years old. And what's your favorite hobby? What's your favorite thing to do? Mm, I like to draw and paint. Nice. nice. Okay. Like daddy. Yeah. <laughs> That's what's yeah. up. Yeah. So um, so your dad was just uh, letting us know about his artwork and his animation and how awesome you are. And uh, yeah. yeah, and then you walked in the room. So that's what's up. Right. Was you listening? <laughs> I was knocking. I know. <laughs> that's what's up. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I've seen you do the events with the, uh, the comedy. Mm. And I was like, okay, so Cliff is doing comedy. This is dope. Um, you... But the airbrush, it was funny because, like, I remember we used to have conversations about the airbrush. And you used to be like, yeah, man, people want me to do all this airbrushing and stuff. They better pay me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, I, I spent a lot of money on college. So at this point, <laughs> I'm going to take a quote from my best friend, Sydney. Is, um, my parents spent a lot of money on college. So for you to not pay me, you're not only disrespecting me. You disrespecting my mama. Right. <laughs> and if you disrespect my mama, right. I'm going to have to hurt you. Boom. I feel so, that. And, so and shouts out to your mom, R.I.P. <laughs> yeah. Yes, Right, yes, shouts yes. out to your mom, too. Ashe. Yeah, Ashe. Ashe. Yeah, that's what's up. Um, So I want to ask Bryce, who's also a father of daughters. Yes. And his daughters grew up in the gallery as well. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about your artwork and what you do because you are a record producer you are also though a property owner Check. community organizer and record executive boom did i hit everything and i'm an amazing storyteller yo my bars come on son. We, we, <laughs> oh what? yeah the bars what? the bars yo the bars yeah um so we'll start by saying my practice is called entertainment justice so the short story around that is creating a space for entertainment professionals to intentionally intersect with grassroots social justice, environmental justice, and racial justice movements, being able to intersect with those movements and be in support as actual entertainers. The, skill, the, the assets, the skills that we bring to the table in that kind of scenario is we bring the science and the art of how to generate feelings inside of people. Uh-oh. And that's some really serious shit. That's a serious skill set because we got folks, um, teachers and academics, yes, they can say something to inspire an intellectual thought, yet not everybody can say some shit that's going to like hit your emotions and move you mm-hmm. and actually move you. That's what entertainers can do. So we are needed on the front line of community activism, on the front line of this grassroots social justice, because these are spaces where we need our people who don't know that there are good fights being right. fought for their justice. We need people to know. And when and once they find out, we need them to feel a certain way about that shit. Not just right. like, oh, okay, yeah, civil rights, black power. Like, nah, nigga, you need to feel something. You <laughs> know what I'm saying? When you find out about this. So, boom, entertainment justice. Now, I start off my career as a record producer 
and as a performing artist. Mm -hmm. That's where everything starts for me. From there, um, my practice has evolved like crazy, all out of necessity. So for me, uh, abandoning the first iteration of my career, which was a corporate music track, the only reason that was even on that path in the first place is because the music industry represented a big-ass bag of resources. Mm. Like, that's one place for sure where you can plug in and you can get international distribution, you can get international marketing and broadcast. That's what it represented. It was it was nothing else. So because my ego is set up the way it is, you know <laughs> what I'm saying? Then um <laughs> was like I'm actually dope enough to create my own music industry because my ancestors did that shit. Like I literally mm. come from Detroit. In my DNA is niggas who create music economies. Right. Music ecosystems that go worldwide. Like that's just very gordy. Then my fucking uncles and great yeah. cousins and shit. Just yeah, all of yeah, ours. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's so that's like the second pillar of entertainment justice is to create in this spirit of shit, in the spirit of positive, self affirming behavior and culture create a music industry that's locally rooted yet internationally connected that's dedicated to producing and distributing content that promotes positive identities of black and brown people african and indigenous people and also too got a shout out nile oh super shout out nile so shout out all the girls um nile nia nira and young nzinga who are here tearing up the charts at 10 months old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so I remember when, when Neele was little, she uh, you actually recorded her. Yep. Um, she actually has, what does she have? She has a whole project or what does she have? So we did, a, uh, in the spirit of um, 1994, we did a maxi single. <laughs> it was an A side and a B side. Um, the lead single was called It's Me. Right. So another major thing that's important to me is uh, new pop culture, creating mm -hmm. a new pop culture. For me, my identity on a record producer tip, the, the, the first artist who I fell in love with was Michael Jackson. Mm. And then it was from Michael Jackson that the, the second album that I fell in love with was Back on the Block by Quincy Jones. Mm. Um, my first album of record was Thriller. Then the second, Back on the Block, Quincy Jones. That it was classic. It would be me. That shit was fucking classic. But it was me reading the liner notes at around 10 and a half, 11. Then it was like Quincy Jones is the common denominator in both of those projects. Mm. So I started to study Quincy Jones mm. more and then come to find out that Bryce was actually a huge fan of Quincy Jones. <laughs> okay. So Quincy Jones became the my icon for a producer. Like, a lot of hip-hop cats grew up like, yo, fam, it was Dr. Dre, or it was RZA, or Timbaland. Premier, like, or whatever. No, for me, it was Quincy Jones. And mm -hmm. then from Quincy Jones, once we started to study hip-hop producers in college, then it was RZA, and then it was Timbaland. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so coming from a pop standpoint, we need new pop culture because pop music is the music that hits the most people. I know cats, especially in hip-hop, niggas love to hold tight to their backpack sometimes, but... The backpack music, the sub genres hit 
small populations of people, even if a small population may be 250,000. Mm-hmm. But you have a pop culture record that's crossing all those subgenres, plus hitting these larger audiences, and it be having large groups of people all vibing in similar ways. Mm-hmm. You can have one, like for, for instance, Kendrick Lamar's song being in pop culture, We Gonna Be All Right. You have white folks, black folks, Jews, Gentiles, everybody, We Gonna <laughs> Be All Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> so the point is, like, that song was able to create an emotional impact over a much larger audience My. than a song that is intentionally only aimed at a small group of people. Yeah. So my, that's how well my identity influences like my art practice because I'm all I'm, I'm in it to to provide create new pop culture. And shit. Mm-hmm. Not to cut you off, but I think that he did that song for a small group of people. It just connected with a lot mm. more people. Feel you on that too. Feel you on that. Yet at the same time. There's something about Kendrick to me that separates him from others. He thinks about himself in a large market context. Even if he went into the studio like, yo, this is literally for my niggas from here to here, from there to there, he's still doing so knowing that his he intends for his voice to be in the popular discourse, in the popular space. Mm. Like, and there's some cats who come to the studio like, yo, not only is this for a small group of people, but I literally am only imagining talking to that group of people. Mm. Mm. And that's just, it's not a good or bad. That might be Dre too. Like, you know, because producers produce. Yes. Right. You got people that make beats. <laughs> yeah. You got people that produce. Yeah. Like, I learned that working with uh, my, my big homie, AK, mm-hmm. who did all of Blade Icewood work. Mm. And, Shout uh, out to Blake. Yeah, hey, I mean, I say, he AK did a lot of stuff, but uh, like working with him, it's I, I, it was that feeling. I like when Exhibit was like, never knew about the next level until Dre did it. You know mm. what I'm saying? Boom, and Exhibit's boom. music sounded dramatically different <laughs> once he did one session with Dre. You know mm. what I'm saying? Yep. That's that's when I learned like producers are everything. You know what I'm saying? True. Right. True. Right. And, and that's why, I, like, you know, Kendrick, because I'm a, I'm a Kendrick fan. And I did hear a difference between when he signed with Dre from this music, right. of, you know, pre-Dre. Wow. And even that, though, like, for him to even be open to signing with Dre, like, there are some cats who would tell you, like, man, I would never sign with somebody that big. And they mean that mm. shit. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so I'm just acknowledging. They not well, broke. With the concept of what you're saying, I'll tell you how I can relate to that Boom. and not digressing too much, but with the metaphor of using you using Kendrick, I was not a fan of, I'm a huge fan of Kendrick, old Kendrick, but I wasn't necessarily um, tied to the new project where the you have the catchphrases, humble, um, love. Mm. What is the? I can't think of the name of it right Damn. now. Damn. 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 Yeah. But what I took a look at is how, when you look at kids and what they listen to on the radio, and you hear humble, be humble. I think y'all were just talking about it downstairs when you get to see all these people ch- chanting the same thing, and the kids could relate to it. So I agree with you in that concept of Kendrick recognizing how to tailor his sound, pop culture, so that he is touching the masses, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that when you talk about, you know, 
entertainment justice that's what it's all about when you're an artist is it's not losing yourself as an artist as we talked about last weekend and only want doing work where that people want to hear but kind of bridging the gap in between it right yep i'm a, yo i'm i'm, I'm going to revel in saying this on a podcast one of the biggest inspirations for me in my career and my approach was common hmm used to be known as common sense this negro said in an interview this was like the early 2000s, mid 2000s almost, he was on somebody's interview bitching about people not, the audience not supporting him when he makes his conscious music and how he's been antagonized by that for some years. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, and he was complaining so much the thing that was uh, super triggering to me about that interview, mm-hmm. he placed all the blame on the audience. Mm. The audience is not hip to my message. The audience is not receptive to my message. And my my response in my mind was like, nigga, it's on you. If you're the one who got the message and you say that your message is for the people, mm-hmm. but the people who you want that message to hit, it's not hitting. Well, then that means that you, if you really dope as an MC, it's not about dumbing down. I, I don't consider it dumbing down when I talk to my six-year-old. Right. I'm using all of my intelligence yeah. to communicate a sophisticated idea so that she'll be able to get it at her age. Ain't shit dumb about that. You know right, what I mean? Right. But but to hear a grown professional MC <laughs> blame the audience for not getting his message right. versus thinking that the accountability was on him mm. to make sure he was using language enough. I'm like, yo, okay, the, I'm a show niggas that you can really come, you can have a pop culture aesthetic, you can have all of this blah, 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 and still be able to communicate an affirming positive message and the shit not be corny. And you right. ain't got to be fucking poor righteous teacher because mm. that poor righteous teacher <laughs> shit is not sustainable. You know what I mean? But that's another kind of. But shout out to the poor righteous they teachers. They was dope. Yeah. No. Wise intelligent. Yeah, was my man. yeah. Rock they was. They was funky dope. But I, I'm talking about. I'm talking about the right. The, the, the identity, concept. The, no, I get yeah, what you're saying. Concept. Yeah, the concept. Yeah, it's definitely the relationship in between the messenger and the mes- the person getting the message. It it has to it has to be a seesaw. But that's the reason I brought yeah. both of you guys on here because. You guys um, represent that entrepreneur who um, is able to connect with folks, is able to create your own mm-hmm. commerce, your own um, your own identity in mm-hmm. in this landscape. Because like Cliff Notes animation, that's not popular. I mean, the way he did it, you know what I mean? Like everybody's doing all this like super uh, computer animated kind of thing and he's done this like hand drawn like line drawing mm-hmm. basically it's like a like a sketch it's really the rough stages of what a finished animation would be yeah yeah and it's but it's cool like i love it Thank because you. it um it has a depth and a rawness to it mm-hmm. that um that just feels like and then it's like when you know cliff and then you see the cartoon, it's him, mm-hmm. but like as a cartoon. So it's like, oh my God, I know him. <laughs> I know that guy. And real quick, for me, like the 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 straightforwardness of the the illustrations 
it really draws me into the story. Yeah. And it actually amplifies the story because like right. the story is <clears throat> it's like starting from this like to me it was like starting from childhood a bit um it the whole feel of it 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 hmm it's dope it's dope it's, thanks man yeah the simplicity yeah. it really amplifies the story and it helps the audience to like place themselves inside like we're not distracted by yeah it's just like thank it's you. all about the content yeah it's all about thank the story you, thank you yeah. that's I what appreciate i appreciate that it. for real for real yeah like, I, I went in on it like I, I put a lot of work into that you can tell Cause it's it's mm-hmm. really real too, mm-hmm. like it has like a really realistic feel. Cause it, it was making me laugh. Cause I was, when I saw it, I just couldn't stop laughing. I was like, "That's Cliff," you know what I mean? It was like this line drawing that looks like you, and it's like talking to you and everything. It was kind of weird, but it was funny. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Um. So I wanted to delve into a little bit. Um. You both have spaces that you work out of. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really important um, as an artist. It's yeah. important to have like a space. Extremely. That mm-hmm. you, uh, like a nest where you can go create and it's like your own space. Can you guys talk about a little bit about your art space? Like where you create? Don't give away the secret sauce. All right. Just like, <laughs> you know, like what's that like in your lab? All right, so first off, shout out shout out um North End, shout out Oakland Avenue, shout out the garage, garage, and um soon to be shout out the Apex. Very excited about activating the Apex bar um super soon. So what it's like operating out of a space? Well, one is in Detroit, a lot of us who really take our art practices to a career level, then something that we find out really early is how important space is to us. Um, unless you have parents or, or like a, a middle class, upper middle class situation where you might already have space or parents who already have space or in arts or expose you to studios and you have a network of people who you blah, blah, blah. Unless you come from that or anything similar, then a lot of us we started our art practices in public schools. So we started out doing art in other people's spaces. Even if it was a school, that's still somebody else's space. The moment that we step into that professional adult realm, then it's like, uh, okay, either I'm not, I'm not in high school anymore, or I'm not in college anymore, I'm not in these when I'm, I'm not in a situation that I'm used to where I'm in some larger structure that has resources and I'm not necessarily able to plug directly into it. So I'm responsible for having a house for my art. Um, so it, it's, a cer- it's a different kind of perspective to me that drives, um, that informs how important space is to folks in Detroit. Uh, even though it's a lot of what looks like abandoned space, that space was not always abandoned, nor was it always accessible. Uh, so space is just a major thing. That's all. Word. How I came up on my space for the past four years is the garage is through a community collaboration, a collaboration with a brother who cares to stay out of the public eye, but he a brother, you know what I mean? From the hood, he um in his 40s, 
he's owned the space for like five or six years. He was stacking his dough to be able to stabilize the space because it needed a new roof and other improvements or whatnot. We were able to come along in 2014, bring in a grant and create a collaboration where you for a super small amount, let me lease this space. And in return, I'm gonna bring grant money in here and we're gonna help you get your space up little by little by little. Dope. Only reason I'm telling this story is because it uplifts this thing. There is a way for us who may consider ourselves to have low to no dollars. There's a way for us to still be able to produce our art, produce our culture. There's a way for us to still be able to reach high production values. <clears throat> There's a way for us to still have space. It's through collaboration. This collaboration is a major thing because in collaboration, people are able to bring different resources, bring those resources in a big pot. I know this shit feels like, oh yeah, overstood, but this is a new form of currency. It's bigger than just like, some catchphrase or some cool new way of talking about partnerships or some shit like yeah no 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 this is an intentional strategy on how to get access to resources where we didn't have before the barter system barter si exactly it, it is a new way of talking about old ancestral shit like mm -hmm. bartering um but that's how bryce came in contact with his workspace for the past four years um before that speaking in terms of collaborate community collaboration pipes me and you helped to create a community culture and art space um at the cast corridor comments yeah so shouts out to the uh d blair theater super shout out to d blair theater so the last since 2010 yeah coming to the collecting with the gallery and then connecting with dabbles and through collaboration doing spaces over there i mean doing things over there through uh creating this the d blair gallery with piper and will c and Matthew Cross um, to the garage now. All of my art spaces have literally come through collaboration. Dope. Yeah. So Cliff, you got the funky loft. Yeah. So. And that's a great. That's an interesting, like, community over there. It is. It's very interesting. It's 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 that's the best word for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's very interesting. <laughs> Um, I've been in and out of that building since 07, but um, I actually have a store there. Now, I was living there and mm -hmm. you know, in and out since 07, but uh, that's how I knew about the space. But I had a store at Northland. Right. I was there for about four and a half years. Northland is a mall, if you're not from Detroit. That yeah. uh, was the first mall. Yeah, first mall in the world. It was the first mall in the world. Yeah. They just closed yeah. it. Was it last year or you? No, I, last? no, that was this was 2015. So that was mm -hmm. 2015. They closed it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So when the mall closed, you know, it's just like Bryce said. You know, having your own space is is it's a whole different level of uh, peace of mind than you know. What I'm saying, like he said, being in somebody else's space or mm -hmm. you know not having your own situation that you in control of. Yeah. So um, when I was able to have my own space and, you know, have it set up where I could work comfortably, my artwork, I feel, got better because of that. And um, aside from that, me being in the mall, I'm the type, I just love people around when I'm painting. 
Mm. You know, I, I like the reaction, so I know I'm doing a good job. Or even the, hey, you didn't do such and such right here. Oh, I didn't see that. (laughs) So I I love that. Some people get nervous when they're around people doing their artwork, but I I love it. So that is one thing that I miss about Northland was the constant foot traffic, meeting somebody new every day. And that um, was mostly airbrushing, right? Yeah. Okay. So um, when the mall closed down, I still needed a storefront because I, you know, I didn't want people coming to my house. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, I actually did. I moved into the loft and the space that I had actually was my house. But I, you know, worked it out to where it was uh, the downstairs I did most of the work stuff in upstairs. It was really it was bedrooms upstairs. So you walked in, you saw me painting. I was in my kitchen painting. Right, right. So right. I once another a bigger unit got available and it was actually a store. Yeah. It it, it actually was um before I moved in, it was a spot called Healthy Kids. Mm-hmm. So it was set up for kids to uh it was like a day camp. They did field trips, but mm-hmm. anyway, it wasn't really set up for somebody to be airbrushing what I had going right. on, whatever. But I, I worked it out. Um, I've been there maybe since the mall closed. Well, I moved into this spot last summer. So it's a little more than a year I've been in the spot I'm in now, and I I love it. I'm mm. right. I'm facing the water, uh, so I'm right across from the Splash Park. Yeah, yeah, if you ever need some artwork done, Aired Out Customs, 313-995-3273, located at Mount Elliott Park. And uh, that's one of the things I love about it. I'm right at Mount Elliott Park, the Splash Park. I I step Mm. outside, and I see the water and Mm. all that. So I love the location. But like you said, it's, it's, it's a real interesting area because it's like it's like gentrified. But yeah. not all the way yet. Right. But well on its way. Mm. So, yeah. it's Because th- I remember I was outside airbrushing one day. When it's warm outside, I like to be outside yeah. working and people could walk by and see. And two new Detroiters <laughs> um, came rolling up on their bikes. And, they, and they're asking about the building. And then, you know, clearly I got a big sign says Aired Out Customs. It's a store. Yeah. It's a loft building. What does one of them ask me? What's the name of this housing project? Wow. Huh. Like, they got projects off the water? Like, Hilarious. <laughs> 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 they made an assumption that it was a housing project. I'm like, project. well, this actually isn't a housing project. It's a, it's a loft <laughs> building. Right. Most of the things you see on the first floor are businesses right right i don't think they have businesses and housing projects right right well they do <laughs> not legal businesses <laughs> not, there's several businesses and housing they're projects. just home-based Actually, businesses yeah, they yeah. are let's yeah. not delegitimize <laughs> oh no shout out com- to the project community you know economies <laughs> hey, <laughs> community i support black economies. businesses all the urban right. apothecaries out there right <laughs> you know yeah. yeah so so um i mean now, so initially you had that space in the mall, and you were doing um, mostly airbrushing stuff, and then sometimes commissions. A lot of right? graphic design too. A lot of graphic design. Yeah, like I do a lot of logos and mm-hmm. you know a little flyer design, business cards, mm-hmm. illustration. I did a couple children's books. Wow! And Bryce, you're doing children's stuff too. Absolutely. Concentrating on the youth. 
So um, one project that's releasing third quarter 2018, the Afro Futures Children's Music Album. Wow. Um, shout out Knight Foundation. They like to be recognized when they give you some money. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so the purpose of this project is creating a pop music pro- pop music for children between the ages of three and eight years old and their parents. The thing, yo, as a parent who's also big into media deconstruction, um, on a media deconstruction level, the songs that come on on average have heavy sex or drug themes. The shit that we would find beat-wise attractive to our ears, that means that that shit is like inappropriate for the babies. But it's attractive to our ears on whatever level, whatever. Then we have kids' music, which on one level is full of rhythms and nursery rhymes that come from European culture that is questionable on how they influence us. On one level, that's a thing. On another level, the shit's corny. No adult wants to listen to, like, you know what I mean? But <laughs> come on, fam. You know what I'm <laughs> but but we we want we but we want our babies to listen to stuff that whatever they might jive with. So for me, this creates the perfect opportunity to let's prioritize making music that has positive symbols and positive messages for our babies, as well as is actually cool to our own ears as parents. Yes. You know what I mean? So that's th- what this Afro Futures children's okay. music album is all about. Yeah, I just be playing beats with her because it's like, boom. Psh, I turn on the radio. Even 92.3 is not appropriate. No <laughs> One yeah. day I had to choose between, because really I don't listen to 98 or 107.5 with her in the car. Real. It's 92.3 or 105.5. These stations, if you're oh, not I'm from sorry. Detroit, I'm sorry. they are. Um, Something like your, like a FM R&B station. The old like school a, stations. Or like a yep. FM hip hop, state pop, uh, like your hot blah, blah, blah. It's like your hot 97. It's the 107.5. What was the other one you said? And 92.3. 92.3. So like, mm-hmm. I think at the 98, that's 98 across the board. 97.9. Yeah. yeah that's not, it's interesting because that's the, uh, what is that? That's the body temperature, right? It is. 98. Degrees, yeah, so, yeah. so across the board, that's why they put that on R&B. Mm. That's across the country, all FM ninety eight. Somebody up. in radio ta- taught me that. Wow. Yeah, that's professional radio. Yo. That's why they put that on R and B because that's that's straight across. That's your body temperature. That's where they put all the R and B. Professor Griff never, shit right that's there. Crazy. Yeah, but, but um, um, the hot. But what was the other one you said? Even ninety two. That's like your mix. That's kind of like your where your pop. Your Pop or your pop stuff. It's supposed to be like adult contemporary. Well, 92. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's where you're going to hear Kim and Isley Brothers. Okay, okay. So the thing is, I'm... I can't stop. (laughs) (laughs) Go, Bryce. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't give me the invitation, Kim. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So one day I'm listening, 92.3 and 105.9. Or, you know, I'm flip bouncing between stations. Wait, 105.9 is the other R&B station. Right. Was the, the other old school station. Old school, yeah. Yeah. So um, on one station is Super Freak. 
I'm like, okay, that's she, terrible. She can't listen to this. No, no, no. On the no, other Rick station, James. on the other station is Nasty Girl. Okay. Oh, same era. There we go. Oh man. There we go. Then of course '98 and one of what's the other 7.5. Of course, them. They're playing the most popular raunchy yeah. st- stuff that's out. So. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, let me throw some beats on. Thank you for making what you're making, Bryce, because sure. we need that. Yeah, and it's interesting because, like, I play a lot of instrumentals for exactly that reason. And mm-hmm. I think I told this story before, but I'm going to tell it real quick again. I think I was like, no, no, I wrote it on Facebook. I think I was like, uh, I think I was like 12. I was in the seventh grade. So uh, there's a song, uh, you know that song, Sugar Walls? My sugar wall. I'm not familiar. Sheena, Sheena Easton, Prince wrote it, so it's that same era, wow. 1984 or something like that. Anyway, I don't know what this song means. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just think it is like a gingerbread house. It says sugar walls. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was thinking it was candy, uh, like all over, and I'm in there, and it's all this candy all <laughs> over the place. I'm just dancing and twerking, and uh, my stepmom came in, and I'm just popping my thing and singing my sugar wall. <laughs> now, mind you, I had gone, I had been getting an allowance. I had saved up my little allowance money and I went to the store cause I was trying to be like, um, um, Sheila E. I remember sure. Sheila E. I had the, uh, I had the garter belt. I had those, I had on the, I bought a Teddy and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I had like some shell toes with my, wow. with my socks on. And I just remember my, uh, and then my little bows and everything. Oh, and my little lace glove. Remember the remember uh, Madonna yeah, yeah. with the lace glove, and I had a like cherry wet and wild on my lips, and I was just in there mm. dancing and dancing and dancing. And uh, I remember my stepmom just came in there. <laughs> I was in the mirror, just like my sugar wall. Just imagine that vision, uh, like twelve years old. But that's the that's you know I always keep that. You know, when I work with youth, because I remember how impressionable I was. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't understand the connection to sexuality with, like, a teddy or, like, the lyrics or, like, that lace glove or, like, that that colored lip gloss. Like, I had no connection in my mind to, like, the images that were being presented to me, the words that were being presented to me. To me, it was just a cool music video that was on MTV. And I figured, hey, it's on MTV, so it's for me. And the poppy tuning sounding music just sounded like it was for little girls. So like the lyrics um, are kind of interesting if you go back. Like, uh, but I, I get you. You know what I'm saying? Like that's a part of the work that I guess like me and Bryce do in particular is like deconstructing media, but then also creating mm-hmm. an alternative. Because it's one thing to complain about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's another thing, like, you have to create the alternatives. But that's what I like about what you do as well, Cliff. Um, like you said, you have um, children's books. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, I feel like when um, when we talk about hip-hop, it's really easy to go to, oh, kids these days, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and their thing. But um, I really appreciate, you know, the products and things that you guys put out. Um Cause I feel like, you know, you guys are fathers. That's something that I love uplifting, you know, black fathers, black fatherhood. You guys are like, you know, in the culture. So it's not like you're trying to put forth this like 
pull up your pants, young man, and stop right, sagging. Right, right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like y'all are, you know, y'all are, we're like, we're in the same community, the same culture, and you guys reaffirm manhood. You reaffirm your identity. You reaffirm what it means to be a black father. Um, you guys are super cool, caring. You know what I'm saying? And I feel Thank like like that. those are things that um, – that I want to highlight, you know what I mean, and uplift and, like, bring more of that, you know what I'm saying, to, to the forefront because um, this is the type of culture that, that we promote, you know what I'm saying? This, is, this is our culture. It's crazy because it's more common than what people would think, mm-hmm. but it's not promoted. That's right. Yeah. Right. Now, I want – now. okay, now I want to flip over only because this guy is a big idiot – and Trump? he needs to be exposed. I I wanted to say bigger than Trump, but I'm going to just put him on the same level. R. Kelly. Oh, Have you guys seen this 19-minute no. song? I was going to ask you about that too, Piper. This guy. So he admits everything but that in he's a pervert. In the song. No, he says it in the song. <laughs> no, in the song he says, I'm not a pervert. Oh, well, he, he admitted to pedophile, pedophilia. Like, is, what's is, wrong with that? Is the song, really 19, the song? Minutes, yeah. 19 minutes, though? Yeah. 19 minutes, It's 19 whole minutes. 19 minutes, dog. Listen, okay, I just got to say a sidebar. Whenever uh, you do open mic or, like, work with MCs or musicians in general and by me organizing shows, they're always like, well, how long you want me to do, Pipe? I be thinking in my mind, 15 minutes is good. And they be like, let me do 45 or an hour. And I be thinking, <laughs> like, no. But uh, but you know what I'm saying? How long can a person sit and absorb anything? Yeah. Like, I mean, even if something great, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, so the fact that his ego is out of control, that's just on a, that's not even like with content. That's just out of control to think that somebody's going to sit there for 19 minutes how many and listen to one song. Yo. You know how many traps in the closets did he do? He oh, did like he... Nine of them, didn't he? And what's crazy about it with both songs <laughs> is just that one continuous beat. Oh, it is. Time. <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. That's like never, somebody on drugs know, or something. I never thought about that. Right? Like the trapped in the closet. I'm like, is he going <laughs> to switch the instrumental? Right. Like, <laughs> like even in movies when there's something happening, the, the score changes from scene to scene. Right. Bro, it was all about being trapped. Man, we was trapped in that beat. Trapped. <laughs> and he's trying to trap people in the 19-minute song that's called I Admit. And then he just names. To me, it's like as if he took all the news articles that were written about him and then just tried to make them rhyme. Yeah, this was wow. his OJ. Was if funny. if I did it, right? <laughs> it is. It's a, okay. Whenever R. Kelly comes into the media, this question pops up for me. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like a questiony comment. Um, it's a sentiment. This sentiment of damn, there are still people who are conflicted about this issue. How? I don't get it. And, and even on how? that, even after that though, cause the how does, this is how, because we still exist in a time where what feels increasingly more clear to some has yet to cross the minds of a lot others, a lot of others. Um, as cool and trendy as feminism 
is on some pop culture levels now. Like the Me Too, even before Me Too, um, Say Her Name became a trendy hashtag. Um, Because I come from activism, then have been hearing the language of ecofeminism and feminism and like Kimmy Schmidt, like on, on TV and shit, you know what I'm saying? Like on movies and stuff. So the aesthetic mm-hmm. of the aesthetic of feminism um, is trendy, yet it's it's yet to be trendy for our people to question their own politics around women and so like yeah it's yeah yeah me too or yeah rape culture rape culture like that's a that's a like a part of the feminist aesthetic to me the feminism aesthetic like to have this framework around rape culture that comes from a certain consciousness cool yet it's not cool and it's not cool yet to be like fuck rape culture and let me make sure that as a woman i'm not dancing to no more three six mafia let me make sure as a woman that I'm not going to go to the Jay-Z concert, even though I might love Beyonce, he going to hit me with at least 10 bitches tonight. And and I'm going to pay $165 for it. Like, there is still not, without even making hardcore line, draw, lines in the sand like that, there has yet to be this deeper behavior of going from the trend to personal transformation. Mm. So that's what the R. Kelly, like the way niggas talk about the R. Kelly shit, it could, it like, it evidences how much disconnect still exists out there. Because it's still some people, like, as recent as this morning. Yeah, I listen to it, and I still listen to his music. I mean, it's, I mean, like, and then go on to justify why they will still put money behind him, even though logically, they may think that some of his personal behavior is, you know what I'm saying, unacceptable, but it's not unacceptable enough for you to be like, I'm not gonna, I gotta change how I interact with you as a being. I can't be dis, I can't be compartmentalizing this shit no more. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean, it's out there. I mean, you know, it's interesting too. So, you know, we did the, or we were part of the Mute R. Kelly Detroit, you know, um, campaign and just, I said it on the last, on the first podcast, just all the people who are just, it's its beyond, it's like a cult. Was it's like, yeah, go ahead, Cliff. What's really telling about it is if you talk to somebody from Chicago. Yes. Hmm. It's so many horror stories about R. Kelly and just creeping out right. all through Chicago with kids. Right. Like nobody from Chicago that I've spoken with has had anything good to say about R. Kelly. Right. <laughs> and Which, even on the song, he says something about Chicago got to stick together. I, I'm, obviously, he's feeling it. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're like, bro, we don't need you here. You're making the city look bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm just like, okay, we did a whole show on it. This is what I'm going to say. We got the Mute R. Kelly campaign. Um, we connected with the uh, with Me Too. Um we got to end rape culture, and y'all got to stop buying R. Kelly. Y'all got to stop supporting him. Um, 
I mean, is truly ridiculous. And the arguments that I keep hearing are like, oh, you guys are persecuting R. Kelly. It's like, yeah, he's like one symbol of like a whole bunch of people. But he's like a really terrible uh dude though yeah, like if you just a bad read, person yeah he's just <laughs> terrible bro <laughs> like but 19 minutes who makes a 19 minute song okay uh I, the only other person and i really hate to name him like in this same i'm not even gonna name him we, we won't even put him in this same category uh because you know we gotta show respect we don't even want to taint people's names but the like 19 who makes a 19 minute song that's not even worth 19 minutes it's not even worth like 19 whole minutes. But anyway, I just had to get y'all in on that. Um, so let's get off of that really quickly. You know, mm-hmm. the, 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 I don't know if this this probably is not on your agenda of what to talk about. But I do want to touch on the Kanye situation. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> what you got to say? Now, what I personally <laughs> have to say about it is like I've dealt with people with mental illness. Mm. And only in my adult years have I... Uh, grown some type of empathy Mm. for that you know Mm -hmm. so when i saw kanye do that rant on stage like a couple years ago we just going like jay-z don't send your killers and all that in my mind i'm like this dude has a mental illness Mm. something's wrong with him you know what i'm saying obviously so when they when he got checked in and you know into the mental hospital Mm -hmm. came out went straight to Trump. I'm like, oh, he wasn't ready yet. Mm. He wasn't ready to come out. Yeah, blonde hair, looking like he was in his sunken place. Mm-hmm. So um, when he did the the thing on TMZ, and everything that he did to promote this album was all, yeah. you know, I mean, you could say it was strategic, you know, to get the, the, the sales up and the anticipation for the album and all that. But... I really do think that that was all mental illness speaking. Mm. And and people was just attacking him like it's nothing wrong with him. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was attacking him. Well, let me yeah, just, no, I mean, uh, I, I mm. get that. <laughs> what I will say, okay. I also said I don't support any of this right. nonsense that he's saying or doing, but I'm not going to ban him either. Oh. I mean, I can't put him in the same category as R. Kelly. No, uh, no. Okay, no. boom. So here's my observation. Um, have been observing for some years now how e- how quickly our people will give celebrities or people who they perceive to have status and wealth a bunch of benefit of the doubt. Um, True. That niggas do not give their uncle. <laughs> or their cousin, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Real, that's like, real. For real. Um, so from on that, that's one statement. To me, all this shit just looks like a person who really has a high ego. You know what I'm saying? Sense of self, definitely. And that person operates from that place purely. Period. And it's ain't, ain't, ain't no mental illness there. Like I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say what's not going on, but I'm also not gonna be like, yo, everything that's coming out of him 
or that came out of him during these times and blah, 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 was because he was suffering from something. Like, no, he was celebrating a point of identity to me. And I think that bottom line, everybody should practice giving people that they know and love as much benefit of the doubt and as much room for interpretation that they do for niggas that they do not know and who do not impact their lives on a daily basis. I'm talking about cats will write a think piece about how... (laughs) He said a think piece. I mean, for real, like a whole dissertation about how this person should not be critiqued but should be uplifted as a symbol of mental health. Like, no, fuck that. Deconstruct well, everything that was going on the same way that you would if that was fucking Uncle Randy right. and he came through <laughs> off that well, yak talking that this, shit. This is my you know thing, though. <laughs> Kanye mama died, you know what I'm saying? Mm. And then he did uh, 808s and Heartbreaks, which was just like, because he, he had a, a, a plan. It was going to be college dropout, graduation, good ass job you know what i'm saying mm. like that was the plan for the albums and all that and then his mama died and it was all thrown off 808s and heartbreak or auto tune he running on stage telling teller swiffers he wasn't doing none of this crazy stuff before and you know what i'm saying as somebody who, who lost his mama i i empathize because mm. i mean i met i met nas and when i met nas this was like oddly enough him and r kelly was performing at the somewhere comerica park anyway i had a chance to meet nas and he was an asshole just complete asshole you know Mm. what i'm saying i'm like damn why you gotta be like that and then years later i realized his mama had just died you know what i'm saying so like when stuff like that happened Mm. if you don't know how to deal with it or got some type of somebody you could talk to about it you can lose, you can slip into a depression that will really change how you react with stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. So, I mean, I, I really, I, you know, I, I dealt with it. And I'm I, in, in some ways, I'm still dealing with it. But it's one of them things where, like, when I seen Kanye doing what he's doing, it's you like. You recognized I it. I recognized it. It's, it's a lot huh. of the stuff that he was doing, mm. or I could tell that if he had just took uh, 10 seconds to think about what he was about to say, he wouldn't say it. But he's, you know, he's on, I'm, like I said, I, I I somewhat empathize because of me relating to his situation in, mm. on a certain level. But uh, you are absolutely right that cats do give celebrities uh, the benefit of the doubt that they don't give their own family members. <laughs> that needs to stop. I mm-hmm. agree there. I agree too. Mm-hmm. Piper, if you, okay, this is going to sound random, but if you have learned anything about the time period of slavery, what is it that you would have done differently if you were there? I can't answer that. I mean, because the thing is, Hmm. um, if you are in the institution of slavery, I mean, you do what you got to do. You know what I'm saying? In a different, okay, so I guess the point I'm making is is that I wholeheartedly agree with Bryce, Bryce when he mentioned that there are things that we should learn from our ancestors and that we should do differently, mm-hmm. even in the context of just talking about mentality. So I think 
everything that each and one of you have said about Kanye West is true. I think his ego is tilted more than his spirit and his soul and his mind being in 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 balance. And I do believe that we all may suffer from some type of mental trauma. But I think there are truths in what he was trying to say. And that if we break down the concepts of what he was trying to say, there are areas where we all have agreed in other conversations. Like what? Hmm. What Bryce said about... First, when I look at the psychology of what he truly was... He should have never tried to, first of all, say what he was trying to say on TMZ. Secondly, when I take a look at the psychology of what he's trying to say, he has said it in many of his songs in different ways. Hmm. He even corrected himself by saying that he should have never used the imagery of slavery because of what it psychologically does to black people and switched it to a, a prison mentality. But I think that going back to the media and what they do to us and try to attach us and make us trigger us, we see Kanye West, a person that we have always, since the pink polo and the book bag, have always tried to leave him outside of the quote-unquote barbecue that people try to say, and it all automatically triggers us. He is. N I'm not making excuses mm -hmm. at all. Again, he should have never been on there. But with the concept of we are tied to a system that mentally tries to, tries to tell us to think in a particular way, there is truth in that. Well, yeah, the fact that we're tied to a system. But um, so the flawed part, though, is uh, the victim blaming part. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's where the that's where the argument's flawed. You can't blame the 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 enslaved or the person that um you know what I'm saying is undergoing the trauma to say they should have thought differently, they should have had a different thinking process. Definitely but, wasn't a choice. I don't you know what I'm saying. I, I think I think again when you I, I know sometimes there are things that are surface that seem you can look at on it. When you take a look at his what the meat of what he was saying, I think he went too far with saying slavery was a choice and they used it as a bite, but he corrected himself to make the bigger point. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm not yeah, taking that up is, for him. I'm not that taking is connected up for him. to a, a I system. I but you. I guess um, to back to Bryce's point is that Kanye's ego Agreed. is so ginormous that he actually believes that he's a self-made man. And no one on any level is self-made like Agreed. even the uh, even the concept of being self-made is a part of that system yeah. of Agreed. white supremacy yes, 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 and yes, capitalism yes. and imperialism and colonialism because it suggests that you're not connected to a family to a community mm -hmm. that a spirit to, to your any, environment to your environment to Agreed. anyone else that you on your own like just came and you're so genius that you just and he continues to tell us how genius he is as if uh our beloved creator hasn't bestowed genius on every mm. single one of us <laughs> so every uh human that's here in whatever form is a genius it's just that the genius looks different and these systems of white supremacy that have um kept 
people in line or kept these classes, you know, in place, um, these systems of how we categorize humans, who's valuable, who's not valuable, um, whose labor is worth paying for and who's not worth paying, whose um, brain power is worth valuing and whose we just use uh, and then kill them off. You know what I mean? So... uh, I think his ego. I think his ego keeps people from seeing how collective he is and how he was one of the first to bridge the gaps. But I'm not. I sound like I'm taking up for him, or and I'm a Kanye, a lover. Kanye but cape. Kanye cape. <laughs> basically, <laughs> but I, mean, I just. I, I don't know. I think I'm. I love the land of misunderstanding, but I also believe in accountability, and I do believe that there are things that he should be held accountable for. You should not use TMZ, a media outlet, who does not care about black people to talk about black issues you just shouldn't do it but also too um if you go back i say like around 2004 maybe 2005 he did a um an article i'd have to try to dig it up i don't even know where to find it right now but um he did an article and they asked him about what he thought about the uh about people people's reception to his music Mm -hmm. i feel like it was either xxl i feel like it was in xxl and um and i'm also like paraphrasing and his whole thing was like you're gonna love me no matter what i do so i don't like basically i don't have to make whatever i do you're gonna accept it whatever i do you're gonna love it because I'm me, I'm genius, and it was just this kind of ego thing, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what quality level I put out for you, Right. I'm going to tell <laughs> you that this was awesome, mm-hmm. and you're going to buy, you're going to give me your money. But that's that's actually the, what, well, at least to me, what is the, the magic and the science, like the science magic of marketing mm. we see marketing it uh, it doesn't talk about you know what i mean the occult and spirit science but it's all rooted in that shit using colors one but on a on a language level and jay-z was really my big teacher on this you must tell the audience what you want them to know about you you tell them the thing, and then they're going to recite it back. Agreed. That's how it happens. So if you tell them that they're the, you're the best rapper alive, then they're going to end up repeating that back to you over time if you do it with enough confidence. So that, notwithstanding the cultural production, um, it's just a lot of I'm telling you I'm this I have this platform which reiterates this message every time my songs play. And because I've had a 15-year career or whatever, then I have enough interest to where whatever I say, interviews, memes, whatever, is going to get cycled so much that it's going to impress on you, on you, on you. So, like, yeah. If niggas go back, all I'm saying, Jay-Z was the first person who said he was the best rapper alive. Kanye was the first person who said Kanye's a genius. 
Bryce is the first person that be like, top of the line rhyme about Bryce. Like, I, I know this. I'm a marketing cat. I tell everybody what they going to end up saying about Bryce as an artist. Um, so, having said all that, moving on, yo. What this nigga got shit? He ain't got shit to do with shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I mean, I guess... Uh, it was brought up because, you know, Cliff wanted to get it off his chest. We were talking about R. Kelly <laughs> in Chicago. <laughs> I got you. I was like, well, why are we on Chicago? Let's talk about Kanye. Let's yeah. talk about right, Kanye. Right, right. Uh, but Chicago has some, you know, we talked about, uh, I don't know if we mentioned her, but we said no name. That's my Right, girl. we got no name from Chicago. Uh, no who else does Chicago have this If somebody's dope? name is no name? Yeah, yeah she's, she's so an MC. She's pretty her. sweet. She's a lyricist. She's really, really okay. yeah. dope. Yeah, we, are, we got a, a dope brother on the um, grassroots hip hop scene in Detroit for some years. My man Mike Audio. Yeah, a, uh, I like Mike Audio. Audio. Yeah, he done, He did a he did a mixtape called "My Life Is Like a Movie" hmm. or something like that. You never heard that? Nah, man, no. that was man, that was dope. He dropped it like some years ago. It was like, it was like five E era. Okay, okay. Let me check man, that yeah. was dope. Like you know, I hey. I'm gonna yeah, be honest. Like nice. if some some whack, I'm not even gonna talk about it. Or I'm gonna just tell you it's whack. <laughs> Boom. That was dope. Uh, <laughs> I was impressed. Like oh. Okay. Dope. You see that? Real love. Uh, Mike Audio. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What other projects are you guys feeling right now? Chavis Chandler, I think, has the hottest hmm. project out right now out of Detroit. Mm-hmm. He's pretty dope. Yeah. Chavis Chandler. Uh huh. Chavis Chandler. Okay. Yeah. He's uh, is, he's in Bruiser Brigade. No. no, he was. He was, he was in the beginning uh-huh. of his. Uh, now career. he's like his own thing. Yeah, he worked with Royce. Nah. Okay, yeah. okay. Shouts out to Chavis. I saw him. I went to Nick Speed's studio. We were doing some photography work, and uh, he was there. Like, oh, I love you. You're mm-hmm. like when I see you, <laughs> like my my mama, like my <laughs> big sister. Yeah, because he was one of the dude. young people that you know would come to the gallery and just like get it in mm. you know i consider yeah. him one of my babies so he, that's what's up shout talent, out to chavis very talented dude very talented he's doing pretty well now too yeah yeah he, he's on royce project he is he's on the new royce project yeah yeah, yeah. he on prime too yeah nice. yeah okay nice get it get it yeah, who else are you guys chavis. feeling around around detroit around detroit mm. royce Definitely put my ears on that book of Ryan. Um, really appreciated it because he was digging on personal content. Mm. To me, that's the only mm. thing that matters, yo. Like yeah. that's what makes an artist an artist is bringing to the table their unique perspective and lived experiences. Anything else is like not that. Right. <laughs> so yeah. we'll say Royce. Um, yeah, I really love the Royce Project. Yeah, yeah. I'm still listening to it. Yeah, that yeah, was dope. dope. So what about um, what about you guys' projects? What's coming up, or what should people be looking for? I'm so, pushing Soul of a Nerd all year. Hey. Okay. Yeah, that's that's my plan with that. Okay. I was just talking with Bryce about that. It's like mm-hmm. we we the old school cats, and <laughs> now it's crazy to say that, but it's the truth. We are the OGs in this now. 
and uh in our era of being the 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 little homies mm-hmm. we looked up to jay-z master p e40 these cats that came up selling cds out of their trunk and wound up getting a record deal so we mm. all wanted record deals we want a deal we want a deal because we that's what we saw happening right then soldier boy came out mm-hmm. none of us old cats liked it you know what i'm saying but the kids loved it mm-hmm. and they like i look up to this guy what did he do to get on he did it himself mm-hmm. he uploaded something to the internet put it out and people liked it so now if you look at the pattern since then a bunch of young cats has just do one song and push that single all year until it catches fire and people was asking for more music. So right. that's now you got the Takashi Sick Nines and the uh, the other cats that I just don't know their names. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. But they got one song and they just just push it. Push it. Fetty Wap is a good example of that. Right. He pushed Trap Queen for a whole year. Wow. And, and then wind up getting on with it. And they wanted mm-hmm. more music. So, yeah. That's pretty um, cool. Did I get off subject? No. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm just pushing <laughs> Soul of a Nerd all year. Yeah, okay, Soul of a Nerd. And what about you, Bryce? So, um, project-wise, we got the Afro Futures Children's Music Album that's coming out third quarter. Bryce Detroit-wise... Actually, I've been working on a new project, which is going to be released in two EPs. I've been working on that for the past year. Uh, The rollout is coming soon. Um, In pre-pre-production on the visuals with my man Jamin from The Right Productions, um, discussing rollout with my G, Amani Olu, over there at Olu and Company, artist marketing and branding. So um, this project is all about showing showing our people in the international grassroots social justice, environmental justice, like showing them what does new pop culture for the sustainable future sound like, right. you know what I mean? And um, and then on another level, it's just, cause Bryce is fucking crazy dope. That's, the, oh my God, <laughs> that's another podcast, but um, I'm super <laughs> excited for this project, yo. It was, whew. Inspire. It's fire. Live performance-wise, um, you can catch me at Sidewalk Festival this August 4th, um, performing with my partners, Ife Best, uh, Onyx Ashanti, uh, give you some of that beautiful synergistic mythologies, music is ritual love. Mm. Uh, so live performances, we're still doing um, stuff, by stuff meaning we're still doing music programming on Oakland Avenue at the garage. You can catch us. Um, we just had a drum circle, Ife Bess's drum cipher this past Sunday. So the next one will be August 11th. So you can catch us at the garage, 7615 Oakland Avenue from 7 to 10 for Ife Best drum cipher. That's August 11th, 7 to 10. Sounds by Spin Inc. We got DJ Haru and DJ Jungle who be in the spot. Bring your drums, bring your young people. Hey. Yeah. Wow, you guys got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Cliff, actually, uh, and you too, Harmony, thanks for stopping through. Appreciate no you guys. Thanks for, thanks for being patient. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, you know uh, what? I yeah. do have to mention that I am working on a sequel to Path to Notification. Hey. Which okay. Is my, the comic book, 
let okay for those that don't know in 2013 i put out a comic book with an it album was so fire thank you it was called path to notification and uh, i've been working on volume two to that and volume well maybe i don't want to okay well yeah <laughs> so volume two my plan was to just instead of releasing it as a whole project i'm going to release it as singles and each mm. single was going to have a comic book with it okay so when i'm when the whole story is done and i've got all the singles out mm-hmm. i'm going to re-release it as a full album okay and a graphic novel such a I dope love concept. that. So I've been working on that, but that's why I'm pushing Soul of a No mm. Nerd all year so that I can fine tune that when it's ready to drop. Nice. Okay. Uh, Harmony, you got any projects coming up? Anything hey. you're working on? What grade you going to? Third. Okay. So you're about to go to third, third grade? grade? Okay. Hey, <laughs> that's what's up. Wanna you tell her about the it? flower princess? No, you don't want to tell them about that? Well, I'll tell them. <laughs> Me and her are working on a children's book called The Flower Princess. Oh, wow. Actually, you know what? It's The Flowery Princess because okay. we Googled it and found out there was a flower princess already. Flowery <laughs> princess. So it's The okay. Flowery Princess. I love it. And it's uh, about a little girl who grows up in a flower kingdom, and she has a pet lion and a pet hamster. So I'm not going to give the story away. Yeah, she's giving that look like, Dad, Dad, keep something something for the imagination. (laughs) But, you know, she came up with the characters, the concept and all that. And I just kind of fine-tuned the story a little bit just to make him have a moral lesson to it. Okay. Nice. Wow, Harmony. Harmony Harmony is an author. Did you want to tell us about that a little bit? Is that okay? You don't feel like it? It's cool. Oh, really? I feel you. It's late. Uh, so, yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll bring you back on when you get that. We want to bring you. Would you come back on and talk about it once it's ready? Okay. <laughs> that's what's hey, up. Don't be like that. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. That's the, that's the eight-year-old you. you. Just, it's you all good. You say yes, so that's a promise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll bring you back. Promote it. So, yeah, um... Anything you want to, any last words you guys want to leave for folks? Uh, Soul of a Nerd. Google it. YouTube it. It's on all streaming services. Uh, be kind to yourselves and each other. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what Jerry Springer say? Yeah. And then what's yeah. your, your handles for people to get in touch with you? Uh, Mr. Cliff Note. At Mr. Cliff Note. I got two Instagrams. Because, you know, people that buy my artwork might not be as uh, liberal about my rap music. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, I have Mr. Dot Cliff Note Music and, and, uh, and Mr. Cliff Note. Okay. Both on Instagram. Okay, that's what's up. Bryce, Boom. how do people find you? So IG, Facebook, Twitter, Bryce Detroit, B-R-Y-C-E Detroit. Also, check us out on Facebook and um the interwebs period DetroitRecordings.com on facebook detroit recordings company um what else oh you say just closing thoughts in closing entertainment justice 21st century hip-hop culture by design new mainstream new pop culture that's what we're here for it is a beautiful time of transition on the clock of the world and um, at this moment, just 
here's to all of us continuing to do that real work of being present in our moment and in that presentness, really honoring where we came from, good or bad, win or lose. And from that, really take this moment to determine where do you as an individual really want to see yourself as well where do you as an individual really want to see us as a collective go because we not in that new yet and this for damn sure is not the old anymore all the old is being shaken up on purpose and the new is this we're creating the soil right now we're fertilizing the soil that's going to produce that new so just shout out big up all of us in this time of transition big up all of us who are doing that real work that emotional labor um cultivating new identities and new behaviors that can actually move us forward to this new future and um we out here yo detroit culture creators culture by design Bryce Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Brittany? Well, I want to thank all three of you guys for giving uh, insight on how you make everything that you love, everything that you believe in, intertwine. Bryce just hit, hit it with the word collective. You know, we want to be a collective as a uh, community, but it starts with self. So if you can find a way to intertwine all the things that you love about life, about yourself, about the people that gave you life, the people that you've given life, then you're being collective for self, which in return, you're going to be collective with others. Mm. So, uh, yeah. Mm. Um, and then tell them your new email, Brittany. Brittany at DetroitIsDifferent.com. If you have any information you want to share with us that you would like to hear us speak on, like we just randomly did with uh, Bryson Cliff, send us an email. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just want to give us feedback, constructive criticism, any of that, email us. Oh, and while you're on Detroit is different, look up Trap Poet. Hmm. Look up Trap Poet. Trap, trap Poet. poet. Uh, did I you want to have hey. any last words, Harmony? Anything? This is her thinking. okay that's what's up and then um thank you for that and so yeah this is um piper carter you've been listening to the piper carter podcast on detroit is different um shouts out to kari that wasn't here because he was um doing some business shouts out to our guests um the wonderful mr cliff notes thank you amazing artist thank you for having all forms Mm -hmm. and uh thank you to uh bryce detroit yes ma'am out here doing ancestral work uh, and thanks, Brittany, our producer. Um, and thank you, Harmony, for hanging out with us. We appreciate you. And, yeah, so um, it's Detroit is different, you know, on all your social media platforms, obviously Piper Carter. And also, to remember, like Brittany said, you can email me, Piper, at DetroitIsDifferent.com. So let us know, like, you know, how you like this. Let us know what's going on in your life. Like, are you getting married? Did you have a baby? Are you having surgery? Are you getting kicked out of the house? 
uh you know is your water shut off like let us know like what's going on with you you're sending some kids off to college we want to know who's listening we want to know where you are in the world we want to know what you're interested in and uh we want to continue to bring you stories um from people success stories uh, especially and and also information that you can uh use in your life uh there's a lot of great things that are happening in detroit i was gonna say around but it's a lot of stuff happening great in Detroit. And so, yeah, we uh, just really want to bring you those voices and those stories uh, that really matter. The people that are actually making change and uh, making this world a better place. So uh, that would include you. So we want to include you uh, in our ideas because you are our associate producers. We got some cool stuff coming up for you as well that we're going to let you know about. Um, as this is the end of July so, uh, yeah, through August, uh, we're going to be ramping up our uh, production value uh, leading into some some more uh, great and interesting things. So you enjoy your week. Listen, you know, let your friends know, your friends and family, your coworkers. Tell them to uh, listen, subscribe. And, uh, oh, yeah, shouts out. We're on uh, Spotify now. Yay. Yay. So we got hey. accepted on Spotify. So you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play. Stitcher, and now Spotify. Piper Carter Podcast on Detroit is Different.